Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. New day, same setup here live from the Brand Center Southeast Concourse in front of the old Regina Pat store. Getting set for game four of this Western Hockey League quarterfinal series. 6,500 a sold out joint. Watch last night as the Regina Pats build a 3-1 lead in the third. Then get into penalty problems and the Dormant Blades power play, which was 0 for 6 in the first two games, clicks 3 for 4 last night to get the overtime winner from Igor Sidorov. His second of the game, and the Blades win 4-3, a gutsy performance, and they stay alive in the series. That's the best thing about sports. If you're a Blades fan, the worst thing about sports. If you're a Pats fan, great game from Bedard, a goal and two helpers. His buddy Stanislav Svozil also had a goal and two helpers. And I didn't think Drew Sim played that badly in net either, uh, making what turned out to be, I believe it was, 33 saves in a losing cause for the Regina Pats. we got a lot of Pats talk to get to. We'll talk about the Moose Jaw Warriors with James Gallo. Talk some CFL with the Riders' new receivers coach. Well, offensive assistant slash receivers coach, the president, Naaman Roosevelt. Hey, oh, they, they're calling this. Now, I think the greatest shot of all time was Sandra Schmirler's a curling trial shot in Brandon to get her to represent Canada at the Olympics at the Nagano Games. But this one was unbelievable. Zinger, looks like what you and I would do. Thomas Adine is facing, he's going to he's going to lose the game. He needs to tie it. So he comes out of the hack and he just spins it, right? Like just spins it like you would on a, you know, just whatever. I don't care how this goes, just fool around. So he spins the rock and it just spins, spins, spins down the ice. And it, it hits the Norway rock and... And, and and the Norway rock goes out, his other rock stays, and the one he threw, the spinner, stays in the house for two. They say it's a one in 1,000 game-tying spinner shot, maybe the greatest shot of all time. In case you care, I know you don't, Singer, so oh, whatever. I thought that's what you're supposed to do, spin the rock. I don't know. No, no, check it out. Really spin it. <laughs> right. uh, also, Canada beats Korea by a count of 9-4. to four. Big game in the NHL tonight. Calgary Flames laid an egg against the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, they're still two points back of the Winnipeg Jets for the final playoff spot. The Jets hold the tiebreaker, and uh, they play tonight in Winnipeg. So we'll keep our eye on that one and tee it up as the show goes along. But, hey, we want to talk some Blue Jays baseball right now. What do you want? Let's play ball. We're talking baseball with the latest on the Jays and the MLB. It's Around the Horn with Ben Wagner on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Yeah, the outstanding radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner, joining us just ahead of their game against the Kansas City Royals. A welcome to the show, Ben, as he joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. That felt a little better yesterday with a 4-1 victory. 
it felt a little better with a great outing from Yusei Kikuchi, too. Let's not understate, you know, the, the main storyline for me coming out of that ball game. Yeah, absolutely a W. That's always first and foremost. But there was so much expectation, emphasis, so many eyes, deep dives and data and strategy sessions on how to turn Yusei Kikuchi around into year two of his three-year deal after what was a very, very difficult campaign for him last year. And he did exactly what the Blue Jays need from him. It is the Kansas City Royals, but it was a very right-handed heavy lineup. And he went out there, he spun the baseball, and the Blue Jays were never going to ask him to go seven innings. What he did is exactly what they wanted. Go two times through the order, keep him in position to win a ball game, and that's exactly what he did. Well, and Ben, what was key too there, and you could speak to it more than me, is that it wasn't a great start to the season in terms of ERA for the starting pitching. So it's nice to see that he carries over from spring training. Well, and in the last two starts going into Yusei Kikuchi, it's your first time through the rotation. You're bumped around a little bit. The guy that you gave the ball to on opening day had one of his worst outings as a Blue Jay, period. It was short. The stuff wasn't there for Alec Manoa. It was really clunky. But yet that's the game that the Blue Jays won in St. Louis. And, and then compound that with everything, with everything I just said about Kikuchi and the expectations, the two prior starts, one Chris Bassett, who rocked everybody back on their heels, and then Jose Barrios, who had a very difficult start again for the Toronto Blue Jays, combined to give up 17 runs between the finale in St. Louis and the opener in Kansas City. There was a lot of, there was a lot of nervous energy around the front office and, of course, around the ball club uh, because you could just feel the pressure and mounting. And exp- I keep using those words, expectations, but that's exactly what they are. They expected to be better than what they came out of the gate, even though St. Louis is a really, really good baseball team. And mm-hmm. they're going to be right there in the thick of it the rest of the way, especially if this, those big boys stay healthy. Um, potential to win two out of three was certainly there for Toronto, went one and two, but then to go to Kansas City and then just get waxed on the opening night with Barrios on the mound, that surprised a lot of people. So, again, it felt like the biggest game of the season so far wasn't number one. It was number five, and last night the Blue Jays got a really nice, and for me, a very complete victory at the same time because we saw everything from pitching, we saw some timely hitting, we saw a great approach in hitting, and we saw some outstanding defense being played. Yeah, so uh, I, I cover the CFL here where it's a uh, 18-game regular season. You stumble like that early. Now the, the, the world's caving in. I kind of snicker in a 162-game baseball season that fans would be or expectations. I know they're high, but early on in the season. As my buddy Sean Kleisinger, my producer back at the station who you talked to before he we went on the air, said, because I was kind of upset at my Padres in the first weekend of the season. He's like, April baseball, I don't get, I don't get too invested in April baseball i just have to snicker in a long season you better though listen you can't raise a trophy in april but you can bury yourself for the rest of the summer if things don't go out of the gate the way that uh one you anticipate but if injuries or just you throw a couple of games away uh you know it's it's really tough to leapfrog teams once teams really get rolling and find a rhythm and you know some teams out there certainly haven't found their identity yet Obviously, it's a hot start for some other teams like the Tampa Bay Rays, who are just on fire right now. Um, and even Shane McClanahan, who has a bad day in D.C. today, gets a, a tremendous offensive support. Um, 
But, you know, then you've got teams like the Red Sox, and you're just trying to think, oh, what do we got here? What's really going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, good point. Hey, uh, John Schneider, I, I really, you know, in the, as we talk about expectations and nervous energy, he seems to have the right demeanor for this ball club. Do you agree? John owns the room. Yeah, I mean, he's a larger-than-life personality. It doesn't matter if he's walking into a room of uh, corporate 500 executives or he's walking into the A-ball clubhouse. John is going to control the message, control the room. The energy surrounds John. Uh, if it's a light joke or if it's a stern talking to. And that's the way that he has been, honestly, since I've known him in the early phases of uh, player development, it, when 2013 I'm going back to, when he, we were crisscrossing, both of us were working in the minor leagues at the time. And then when he joined Charlie Montoyo's staff, he has a presence about him. And that presence about him also while it can be stern and he can relay a message both on the field or behind closed doors he also keeps that positive energy up there too and a belief for when things aren't as bad as they are or as maybe not as good as they seem for the blue jays there's there's always that temper temperament with him in his delivery and i i am a huge fan of john schneider first and foremost and I well, think it's big, no surprise. Yeah. We're a big fan of Ben Wagner. We appreciate you taking time <laughs> out of your schedule on a, a game day. Uh, enjoy the call tonight. Uh, go Jays go. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. We'll have the roar of Rogers Center in the background when we chat next week. Those guys are finally I, be home, and it'll be exciting. I was going to ask you about that. It's been a while. I can't wait to hear it. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the game tonight. Sounds great, guys. Be well. That's Ben Wagner around the horn here, our uh, weekly contributor here on the Sports Cage. When we come back, we'll hear from Ty Spencer of your Regina Pats. Pats getting ready for Game 4 against the Blades tonight here in Regina at the Brand Center. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. Michael Ball here at the Brand Center. My great producer, Sean Kleisinger, back at the station. 936-6262 is our text line if you want to weigh in. Brought to you by the Capital Auto Group. And all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Pats fell to the Blades last night, 4-3. Blades come back midway through the third down, 3-1. Pulled the goalie late on a power play score to tie it. Lazowski gets the gold in an overtime. It was Igor Sidorov getting the OT winner, his second of the game. And tell you what, uh, the Blades with a big-time victory, 4-3, to keep their hopes alive in this series and very much back in this series. Ty Spencer joined our broadcast crew after the game. Go, Pats, go. Here's Bedard. He's going. In on net. He After that goal, you thought the Pats were going to run away with this one, but the Saskatoon Blades showed a lot of stones, a lot of characters. Gorilla Monsoon, the old WWE announcer, used to say a lot of intestinal fortitude, and they fight back, scoring three of their goals in the power play. Igor Sidorov scores the 
Game-winning goal in overtime, his second goal of the contest, and the Regina Pats fall to the Blades 4-3, and we got a series tonight, Game 4, with the Pats up 2-1 and the road team winning every game. Here's Ty Spencer in conversation with our guys on the Pats broadcast following the loss. Yeah, you know, I, th- I thought uh, the first couple periods, you know, we really kind of took it to them. Um, mm-hmm. We kind of know the style that they play, and um, by coming out physical and being hard on the forecheck and kind of catching them by surprise was something that we kind of used to our strengths there. But uh, coming to around the end of the game, we kind of let up for a bit. And, you know, Saskatoon's a good team. we got to give it to them, and they, uh, they cost us. Ty, I know it's easy to say, well, just wash this one away and we're right back at it tomorrow. But especially when the tying goal comes with less than 30 seconds left, just to talk about the process that you guys maybe have to go through to do that, just to, to get back to the way you guys played in the first period when you really had a tremendous start. Uh, how do you wash this one away? Yeah, you know, obviously that's a, that's a kicker. You know, you don't really ever want to go down with uh, like that. But, uh, you know, it's a seven-game series. Um keep your head up here it's you know the fact that we were up to nothing was is awesome on us and so uh one loss ain't gonna lose a series so be ready for the next one a tie when connor scored to make it 3-1 at that point could you almost taste it yeah you know it's it's playoff so you know you yeah. can never really get too ahead of yourself obviously yeah. with a with a 3-1 lead it's it's nice but uh it's the little things that count you know making sure we're getting that puck out and if we're not doing that you know saskatoon like i said good team they're gonna it's gonna make us cost so it's uh we gotta we gotta make sure that we're doing all those things right correctly we can't take a period off i know that a lot of times i've noticed over the years in working in junior hockey and being around junior hockey players it's always a really tough pill to swallow moments after the game like it feels a lot worse than it's going to feel 20 hours from now 20 hours from now you'll be back at the rink in your regular routine less and and uh yeah and you know it'll just be another game that you know uh so yeah there's a lot of long faces now but the good news is is you don't have to wait three more days to get your hands on them again right like you're less than 24 hours you're back at it i gotta think you like that right absolutely yeah no it's it's uh it's a long series and you know we, we expected that they're going to come out hard and it's yeah. going to be a battle of a series so it's uh one loss ain't going to do it you know keep our heads high here and uh, be ready for the next one another fabulous performance from drew sim 33 saves on 37 shots through 65 minutes of ice time and uh you know i counted two like big time saves in this game one in the second period on a wraparound and then a huge save in the third period around the halfway mark. I'm sure you're knowing, you know which ones I'm talking about, but uh, I know it's at a loss, but Drew Sim, who's been really good in this series, once again uh, proved to uh, to be the starting goaltender tonight. Yeah, absolutely. He's been playing phenomenal. Um, you know, it's so nice having a goalie that you can trust back there, and, uh, you know, the way he's playing, it's kind of affecting us up front. You know, we all got to get going, you know. Um, he's been playing well, though. Makes some huge saves for us, and uh, it's been good for him. Uh, Kenny mentioned when he was on with us earlier, and I believe this is the first time where they'll be back-to-back games less than 20 hours apart in this series. Uh, He said puck possession might just be that much more important next game because uh, obviously you guys left it all out there tonight. Both teams did. Maybe there's a little bit of fatigue setting in as the series wears on. Uh, Is puck possession something maybe that just becomes that much more important of a factor as the series wears on, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. it, It comes down to simple hockey. You know, puck possession, getting the pucks deep, making those simple plays you don't really realize how important it is and you know it's uh it's something that i feel like the last couple games here we've been we've been good at 
but uh, obviously we're not done here yet. So it's, uh, you know, playing simple and doing those little things. I wanted to ask about just the work ethic that this team has right now because there's no question, especially early in the game, your line, Barnett, Rowan when he was playing before he was out. Um, you know, I can go through the list. Sam Aremba, Braxton Whitehead, even this, Riley Janelle as well. Good point, Kelly. Like yourself, which is why I wanted to talk to you because I think it was Kelly or Rob that was talking about it on, what was it, after the overtime? Or, or well, if it was an intelligent point, it was probably Rob. It had to be Drew. <laughs> <laughs> One of you guys said that you play like you're 200 pounds when you're not, you know? So I just want to know. That was Kelly. Who was that? <laughs> oh, you said 185? <laughs> you said playoff hockey is a 200-pound game. Anyways, regardless of that, Ty, uh, it is a compliment from us here, but uh, we've really liked the way you've played, and, and I just wanted to ask about just the will, work ethic, and just the, the want and determination that you need in playoff hockey, and we've seen that, let's be honest, guys, from this group so far. Yeah, no, it's 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 a whole new game. It, it really is, and playing strong and, you know, being physical. You know, the first game we came out, and, you know, we out-physicked them. We, uh, we hit lots, and, you know, we brought it to them, and I didn't think they were ready for that, and, you know, when when we come out strong and we come out hitting and uh, catching by surprise, that's kind of what we use to our strengths to win those games. Uh, there was just four guys on your team with playoff experience coming into this series. Uh, what have they done for, for some of the guys that haven't played in the playoffs before? I know talking with Luke Bateman after the regular season, uh, there wasn't it wasn't uh, overconfident, but just the, the confidence in his answer when he said, we can do it, we can beat this team. Uh, what are some of those guys that have played in the playoffs done for some of the guys that haven't? Uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, they've been really helping us out, especially in the room. You know, when we're when we're down a goal and it's the third period. You know, they're they're the ones that are telling us. You know, it's a long series. Keep your head high. It's playoffs. Anything can happen. Yeah. Um, really, really supportive group from those guys. You know, we are we are a young team. We are a little inexperienced in playoffs, and that's fine. But you know, as long as we're playing our game and sticking to the plan and having that support on the bench and players on the ice talking, then. Uh, We'll be fine. Ty, what kind of experience is, is this for you, given your close ties to Saskatoon, to play against the Blades in the playoffs? It must be an all-around cool experience for you and your family. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, during the regular season, I was obviously hurt, so I didn't get to play, which uh, which kind of sucked. But um, coming back and playing in front of that crowd, it's, it was a little nerve-wracking at first. But uh, it's definitely pretty cool seeing the family out there and everything. 332 with the sports ticker, and it's for the Keniston Super Draft. There's $80,000 in prize money to be won during the NHL playoffs in this year's Keniston Super Draft. All right, well, only one series matters around these parts, and we are deep into it now. Pats up 2-1 in the series on the Saskatoon Blades with Game 4 going tonight at the Brandt Center. 6-10, p- uh, 6-10 p.m. Pre-game show right after the 6 o'clock news with Dante DiCaria. The whole panel will be there. Rob Vanstone, Kelly Rempo, Drew Posty will all take you up to puck drop tonight. Lacrosse is one of Canada's official sports. Here's the latest from the cage on your Saskatchewan Rush. 
Robert Church had three goals for the Saskatchewan Rush in regulation time and luckily added another in overtime to propel his team to a 12-11 victory over the visiting Vancouver Warriors on Saturday night at the Sastel Center. The victory snaps Saskatchewan's five-game losing skid. Their last win came on February 17th when they defeated the San Diego Seals 16-11. So, so the Rush will look to continue their winning ways when they travel to Georgia for a meeting with the Swarm coming up this week weekend we're going to be chatting with the head coach of the saskatchewan rush jimmy quinlan right at 420 today right here on the sports cage here's your saskatchewan rush report with more to come at 420 the kings of saskatchewan sports talk this is the sports cage on 620 ckrm how you feeling about your pats pat fans Give me a text, 936-6262. Or if you're a Blades fan in town for the game, we welcome your opinion as well. Um, the text line is powered by our friends at uh, the Capital Auto Group. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. And it is time to head out on that Western Pizza Hotline. This guy is back on the show. Uh, we had Coach Craig Dickinson on the show and asked him about Naaman Roosevelt. And Naaman, uh, is, is he going to be a, an offensive assistant, a Swiss Army knife? And he said, well, mostly he'll uh, probably be working with the receivers. So it's great once again to welcome in the president, Naaman Roosevelt. Naaman, how are you today, my friend? What's up? How you doing? Good, man. Good, man. Hey, how was the uh, coaching retreat in Texas from your perspective? Oh, it was great. It was great hanging out with those guys, man. Just, you know, talking about football. I mean, we talked a lot about football, just, you know, what we expect, you know, coming this year and all the, you know, guys we got coming, you know, the roster and stuff. So I'm excited, man. I'm excited to to be on the other side of the game and, uh, you know, Piece of boards, what I know. Is there excitement amongst the coaching, like you said, or a mixture of excitement and a bit of pressure? Because we know uh, we're kind of in win now mode. I know it's pro football; you should be every year, but uh, there's a little more heat on the organization this year. Yeah, I, I think every year, yeah, it's pressure. You know, playing professional football, it's always pressure. You know, it's, it's year by year. You gotta, you know, you gotta do what you're supposed to do. So I think it's more excitement than pressure. I think I just think, uh, you know, we got a great staff. We got a you know, uh, a great, you know, organization. So I think it's just, you know, that year of just coming back together and just bringing everything back together. And I think just with the roster we got and, you know, the group of guys we got in the coaching staff and the organization, I think, we, you know, we're going to bounce back this year and have a great year. Talk about the receivers in a minute. Are you going to be primarily with the receivers? I know initially uh, Coach had said you'd kind of be like a Swiss Army knife on the coaching staff, uh, but are you going to be more centered with the receivers? Yes, I'll be more with the receivers, you know, helping out with Coach Tate and, you know, going through telling, you know, going through drills and, you know, different things I see and, you know, everything. And, I, and I'm excited to learn everything. I know Coach Dickey wants me to learn everything. So I'm learning, you know, uh, I know a lot about receivers, still learning receiver, but I know a lot about it. But also running back, I'm learning protection. That's what I learned a lot about, you know, just doing a retreat, you know, uh, protection, the offensive, the line protection and what they call and So I'm excited to learn everything. I'm, uh, you know, I've been soaking it all in. The coaches have been helping me out and, you know, they text me all the time. You know, you need any questions, you need anything, just let us know. So it's all it's been good. Is it a different type of film work as a coach as opposed to a player learning everything here? Oh, for sure, for sure. It's a lot, lot, way more film watching. You know, just seeing everything. You got to just, you know, uh, 
you know, I usually, you know, for me, I was playing, you know, a lot of W, a lot of boundary. I was playing X and W. So now I'm like, okay, let me see the field. Let me see the, let me see the boundary. Let me see what the old line is doing. Let me see what the running backs, you know, are doing every play. Let me see what the quarterback is reading. Let me see what he sees. So it's just more of just understanding the game a little bit more. And uh, I'm excited about it. I see uh, a signing in Darrell Walker. He kind of has that name in Roosevelt wiliness about him here. He might not be as fast as he used to be, but he should use that experience, provided he makes the roster, to separate himself, thinking one step ahead of the DB. Oh, for sure, for sure. I, I mean, I'm excited to have him. And I, I you know, I text with some of, some of these signs. I mean, I'm, I told him we were excited to have him because, I mean, he's a big-time player. You know, he's, he's one of those guys that can take over a game, you know, once he gets hot. So, I think for us, man, I think he's excited. I talked to him, you know, about his offseason. He said he's been having a great offseason down in Texas, just working hard. And I know he's got something to prove, too, like all of us. We all got something to prove. And I think he has something to prove, too. Like, he wants to be back at that number one spot where he still, you know, he's still young. You know, he's been around the game for a while, but he's still young, so. I think he wants to get back to that top spot, that top receiver spot. You think Winicky can have a bounce back here? You know him well. Oh yeah, for sure. Winicky's my guy. I actually, I uh, called him last night and we talked last night, man. So uh, yeah, that's my boy, and I know he's excited to be in Saskatchewan, especially being a kid from uh, Minnesota. So it's close to home for him, and you know, just being close to home, and you know, just getting that feel of. I told him, I'm like, once you get up there, it's going to be a college atmosphere, man. It's going to be like you, you know, you're back in college again. So you're going. I think you're going to enjoy plan for Saskatchewan. So I know he's excited. He's been working hard this offseason. I think everybody is just that, you know, I feel like it's that year of like, okay, we got to get to it. We're ready and we all excited. Yeah, I'm going to get to that in a second. What do you like in particular about Jake's game? I think his, his, he, he's faster than people think he is. Like, he, he gets on DBs fast. So I think with his route running, I think his route running is the best I've seen. You know, I've been around him. I was, you know, in Montreal, I was around him for you know, during the COVID year, we worked out, you know, during the off season and uh, also that year in 2021 when I went up there, just seeing his game and seeing how crisp his routes is, how smooth he is, catches everything. So I think just uh, all that together, when he put that together, it's just something special. So I think this year would be special for him. Naaman Roosevelt joining us here, assistant coach on offense, primarily with the receivers here. You know him as the president, number 82. Great career with the Rough Riders, and a lot of fans are happy you're back in the fold. Uh, you know, Curly Gittens Jr. staked the claim as maybe the best Canadian receiver. Nick Dembski's kind of a Swiss Army knife for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, former Rough Rider. But I'll tell you what, when he gets back to healthy, and if we can get the ball to the guy, I think KSB is about to explode and stake a claim to being the best Canadian receiver in the CFL. Oh, for sure. I think he's, man, he's, he's, he's been working hard, man. I, talk, I actually talked to him yesterday, too. So, you know, he's in Regina, you know, recovering from his, you know, from his surgery. And he's feeling, he said he's been feeling great, man. He's, he's excited, man. He's been working hard and he's, he's ready to go. I feel like he's ready to take that next step of you know, being the best receiver in, in, uh, in the, you know, one of the best Canadian receivers in the CFL. Not just Canadian, but, you know, receiver yeah. period. So I think he had that ability. He, yeah, yeah man, I know. He does it all. I mean, he, it's kind of weird, hey, Naaman? Like, I, I am, listen, I love Americans. I love the American players, what you bring to the game and everything like that. I just think, you know, as a Patriot, it's nice to point out that these Canadian guys can hang with some of these American guys. Like, you know what I mean? The, the, these guys can play the game. You look at Braden Lennius, too. I'm looking forward to a big season from him. Before he geared up to go to the NFL, he was at about 219 pounds and playing a real solid game. That's why he got a look down south. Didn't last long. And then last year, 
It was about trying to catch up by getting back into the CFL mindset. He's there both in body dimension, I think, in his mind, too. Like, he's locked in. So I'm looking for a big year from him, too. Oh, for sure. I think, you know, going into an offseason where you know you, where you're going to be, going through a training camp where you, you know, you get to understand the plays, understand where you need to be, understand where the quarterback needs you. I think that's that's big with, you know, any player trying to, you know, get started and get, you know, get going and get back to what he used to be. So I think having, you know, going through training camp again with the team and, you know, having Trevor and, you know, having guys out there, older guys that, you know, that's also going to help. I think, you know, Linus is, you know, ready to have that, that big year this year. And I know he's excited too. Uh, you know, all these guys, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to see, especially the guys that I played with that, you know, ready to just go out there and just ball out. So I'm excited. Hey, so are, are you going to drop some plays for my man, Alfred? Like this guy's a Ferrari and we're only using him a couple, <laughs> a couple of times. It's like, it's like, okay, it's a nice sunny day. We'll pull him out of the garage and use him on a kick return or a punt return. Let's get the man the ball some more. This dude can flash. Oh, for sure. Coach, Coach Kelly going, Coach Kelly going, we're going to come up with a great, great, I mean, game plan. Coach Kelly's been talking about it all, all season. Like, we got to figure out a way to just get them plays. Just get them in there. Get them some sweeps. Get them some handoffs. Get them some, just get the ball in his hands. I mean, he, he's so explosive. It's just, you never know. Once he gets the ball, it's just everybody, you know, he gets everybody on their feet and, you know, something big is about to happen when you see him with the ball in his hands. So we, we coming up with plays. I know Coach Kelly been talking about it this offseason. We coming up with plays to get him the ball for sure. And it should help having uh, Sean Bain Jr. here coming over from Calgary. He can do uh, returns and receiving. He looks like he's going to be explosive for us too. Yeah, I've been, I've been watching this film and, you know, when he was in Calgary and I mean, well, that kid is fast. <laughs> That's what thing you see on the, on the film is he gets once once he gets going he gets going so we got some plays for him too coach kelly been talking about him too but just i feel like the the people we you know we have and we brought in is just man it's a bunch of playmakers that you just got to figure out a way to get everybody the ball and you know get everybody to to feel good about you know what we're doing so i think once you start doing that and and showing in training camp that hey we all gonna get the ball we all gonna eat just you know, go out there and do what you're supposed to do. It should be a good year. No disrespect to the other offensive coaches. Steven Sorrells is a great O-line coach, and I love uh, T. Moore, Travis Moore. I think he's done some good things. But you mentioned something that yeah. I think is going to be very interesting. You come in here, Drew Tate comes in here, and Kelly Jeffrey, not looked upon as the first choice for OC. We got three hungry cats in the offensive coaching room here that are ready to prove some people wrong. Oh, for sure. I think, you know, the whole, especially for an offense that, you know, uh, that, you know, wasn't, you know, as good as it should have been last year. I think for us, it's like, okay, we got to come in and bring that energy, bring that, you know, get these guys motivated, you know, get these guys ready to, to you know, make big plays. So, you know, I'm excited. You see, you probably see me out there in practice with cleats on, running with these guys, <laughs> doing drills and, you know, you know, getting these guys going. So I'm excited to, to go out there and just, you know, uh, I'm, 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 I told him, I'm like, I'm, I'm creating, I'm making this journey with you guys, man. It's my first year. So I'm just like y'all learning. I'm learning too. So we're going to, we're going to do it together. Hey, uh, lastly, Naaman, is it tough in your mind to realize you're not a player anymore? <laughs> it, 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 it's funny because, you know, uh, I go to the gym early in the mornings before I start watching film and everything and everybody, you still playing? What's up with you? What you doing? You still going? Cause I'm, I'm in the gym going hard. I'm, Mm-hmm. I'm pushing sleds. I'm I'm benching. I'm doing all this, but you know I'm just ready. I'm getting ready as as if I'm like you know I'm still playing because at training camp I want to be you know I want to be in shape. I want to be going with those guys. I want to be running with them. I want to you know make sure I'm doing everything I can to to keep these guys motivated. So 
you know, uh, I don't want to get hit no more, but I still feel that, 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 you know, that player inside of me for sure. You got me pumped for training camp, man. We're just over a month away. Can't wait to see you, my friend. No doubt. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM. Michael Ball with you, and uh, let's keep the show rolling here. we got some texts and some other things to get to, but we do have our guest on a busy game day for him joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. James Gallo, longtime voice of the Moose Jaw Warriors. i got to ask you a question, James. You're more uh, in tune with the rule book in the Western Hockey League. Uh, so yeah. the Pats take a 3-1 lead, and if the goal stands up, I have no doubt they're blowing the blades out. Like, they are all over the blades, uh, not looking good for Saskatoon. Uh, but then it's uh, it's shown that the net is off the moorings. Um, now, I don't, I don't know. Ex- I couldn't see an angle exactly how it was knocked off, if it was the goalie initially, but the, the second angle showed him push off the, the post and, and for sure knocked it off. Uh, they overruled the goal. Can they can they assess a penalty afterwards? I don't know on that, to be honest with you. Um, you know, if the goalie pushes the net off, going if he's going from his blocker side over to the to his, to his glove side to play the puck, and he pushes it off and they shoot, and it's a bang bang play. Um, as long as the other side's in and the goal goes in, I'm assuming it's in. But we had a play like that last year, actually. Uh, up in Prince Albert, where uh, the goaltender pushed off the post, kind of bang, bang, passed from below the goal line, uh, came out in front as he pushed off the square up up front. Our guy shot, uh, it went in the net. Uh, initially, they said no goal. They looked at it again, they said goal, because uh, he knocked it off and uh, you know didn't really impact the play. Yeah, so I, I mean, they initially called it a goal. They waved it off. It was, it could be, it could be when you look back at it. I know it's just game three, but it could be a series defining play. That's going to be a very interesting thing to see what happens. But it was a gritty, gritty victory from the Saskatoon Blades, who I think are the, now I'm not an expert. I've only watched these teams here. Well, it's the first time I've watched them play against each other this year. The Blades, I think, have a better overall team. I think the Pats have, higher-end talent in terms of uh, Sposal, Suzdalev, and, of course, Connor Bedard. And uh, Sim's been holding the, holding the fort pretty good for Regina. Um, but that's a, that's a gritty win by the Saskatoon Blades. Are you shocked the Pats were up 2 nothing after the first two games? Uh, yes and no, right? Like, I think uh, their season series was tight, and they, they play each other well. Um, I, I think your assessment's probably right. They're ballsy. Like, I think... You know, overall, I think the Blades, you know, they're, they're a deeper team. They got a little bit more to them. They play a pretty good structure. They don't give up a lot, right? Uh, but on the other side, you know, in a series, if you have the best player, you should have a chance to win. And the Regina Pats, they have the best player in Connor Bedard. And I would maybe say they have the second best player in Stanislav Svozl. Um, You know, they just asked Drew Sim to... They make the saves he needs to make, and they ask the guys up front to capitalize when they have the chances. Look at the games on the weekend. 12 goals on just 44 shots is what the Regina Pats had. That's, that's good for Regina, not so good for Saskatoon. So not really surprised uh, that they came back 2 nothing, maybe a little bit, but it's, it, it's going to be a long series, I think, still. Um, tonight's the pivotal one, right? 
when it's a 2-1 and you go into game four, it's pivotal, right? Because either you're going back to Saskatoon Friday, uh, even a two, or the Pats have a chance to clinch. So we'll see what Regina can do. The atmosphere probably going to be pretty wild at the Brand Center, so uh, it would be fun. I'll be watching from a distance. Yeah, it's fun, all right, for sure. Hey, what's going to be fun is if the Warriors can close this series out in four straight. Very advantageous for them to do it. Yeah, yeah, it would be nice, Ballsy. I would really love to have my Easter weekend off. Sleep would be fantastic. <laughs> Maybe some exercise would be good for this dad bod. But, uh, you know, the Hurricanes, they're back into a corner. And, you know, when a, when a fighter in, in a boxing match is back in the corner, if he doesn't come out swinging, he's done. And I think that's what you have to expect from Lethbridge tonight, uh, especially early on. I think if, if Mooshaw comes out and they pop the first two, I think it's over. Uh, that, that's my opinion. Um, I think Lethbridge last night, they really set a physical tone. Uh, nine seconds in, you know, they had a, a hard hit on Jagger Fergus and Max Warner drops the gloves with Joe Hornson. Um, I think Lethbridge needs to play that physical, hard style, and if they can't, Mooshaw's skill and speed just start to take over the game. Yeah, it looks like Jagger Furcus had quite the night there uh, taking over the game. Yeah, the Furcus Circus made an appearance in Lethbridge last night. Boy, he's he's a talented guy. You know, four goals, eight points in uh, in three games in the series. Uh, he thinks the game well, and he, he just he's two steps ahead. He, he, he's such a smart player, Ballsy. Uh, great kid to be around, too. Uh, you know, he always wants to say hi, always wants to have a conversation. He's always smiling. I, I like that. You know, I just like guys that, you know, you can tell he loves the game. Um, you can tell that he watches the game as well. Um, but, boy, he, he, he's a talented player to watch. Really, it's been a privilege for me to watch him the last couple of years grow up. And, you know, I think it's only a matter of time to see how signs him. And, you know, a couple of years, hopefully he's, he's putting on a show in the, in the NHL. And it's nice to have the goalie back. Stop and puck. Yeah, Connor Unger's been fantastic. You know, made a whopping 50 saves in that double overtime game on Friday. Uh, steady as she goes on Saturday. And then last night, you know, tested a couple of times, uh, made some big saves. Uh, he's the backbone, right? And uh, and Big Ungs, as he's called, uh, has, has been really, really good. Um, you know, he's in the zone. That's what uh, they want him to be. And, you know, if he continues to do that, I think that, that spells trouble. So, you know, hopefully tonight he stays in the zone and then we'll go from there. All right, anything else surprise you in round one so far, James Gallo? Mm, not so much. Um, you know, I think everything's kind of playing out uh, the way you would expect. Um, I maybe thought Medicine Hat might have snuck one out of home. They still have a game four tonight. Um, I know it looks like they've been playing Winnipeg really hard. That's kind of a track meet series. Uh, a little surprised that uh, Kelowna's made it really close with Seattle, but impressed by that, mind you. Um, just maybe a bounce here or there from, from maybe, you know, stealing a game. But other than that, I think it's it's pretty much what you expect. The Tri-City-Prince George series is a battle. Um, you know, the Regina-Saskatoon series is a battle. The Calgary-Red Deer series is a battle. You know, this series, even though it's 3 nothing, has been a battle. So nothing too surprising right now in the Western Hockey League playoffs. James, thanks for uh, taking time out of your schedule. I know game days are busy for the play-by-play man. So thank you very much and have a good call tonight. Anytime, Ballsy. Enjoy the popcorn of the Brand Center. That'll be good, man. James Gallo joining us here, voice of the Moose Jaw Warriors. On the text line, powered by the Capital Auto Group from Leonard. I think you guys jinxed the Pats by talking about sweep and the broom. One game at a time, guys. Leonard, I um, don't make saves. I don't take penalties in the third period. I don't give up three power play goals. I just drum up support for the team, try to stir it up. 
That's all it is. I don't believe in luck or in superstition at all. Uh, so there, Leonard. But thanks for listening. I appreciate it. And uh, Dave DeLaForest, who always comes to the games. We're sitting here as my studio audience in the concourse area, said, uh, Go, Pats, go. I'll be watching on TV tonight, Ballsy. It was great to see you yesterday. Good to see you too, Dave. Hey, and before we go to break, I want to give a shout-out to our teammate, Gloria Evans, who had a birthday was it yesterday, uh, Zinger? I uh, believe so, yeah. was uh, Gloria's birthday. And her mom, Olive, who I think made it to 103, if I'm not mistaken, passed away <clears throat> on her birthday yesterday. So our thoughts and prayers going out to uh, Gloria and uh, her sister, Lynette. And Olive was a big CKRM fan, obviously uh, always listened to... Uh, Glory in the morning, and of course, uh, big sports fan too, uh, taking in the sports via radio and TV, the Santa Maria care home. So, thinking of you, Gloria. Yeah, love you, Gloria. uh, Going out to Gloria, our sister, and uh, hey, uh, you you can say this phrase like she lived a long life. Anybody that makes it over a hundred did live a long life, but it it doesn't matter when a loved one dies, how long they lived. The pain's still there. So uh, our thoughts and prayers going out to Gloria, her sister Lynette, and the rest of the family. When we come back, we got more of the Sports Cage. We're going to talk about the Keniston Super Draft next. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Welcome back to the second hour of the show, live from the Brand Center, ahead of game for this quarterfinal series between the Saskatoon Blades and the Regina Pats. My producer and co, Sean Kleisinger, back at the station, 936-6262, our text line powered by the Capital Auto Group. And we also uh, bring all our guests to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. We'll get to that in uh, one second. Um, our pregame show, I want to remind you, comes up at 6 10. So right after the show's over, we got the 6 o'clock news with Andrew Dawson, and then we are into the Pats pregame show, 50-minute style, with Dante DiCaria, along with uh, Rob Vanstone, uh, Kelly Rempel, and uh, Drew Posty. So make sure you're uh, tuned in and dialed in for that. Still to come, we'll hear from my color man on the TV broadcast, Nolan Cole, Esteban Bruins play-by-play man, and we're also going to hear from Les Lazaric, that and much, much more. But, uh, yes, we do have many guests on the show, as you know, and it's time to continue talking some sports. We're going to switch gears and talk a little football as we head out on the Western Pizza Hotline. Well, it was a sad day for Canadian football yesterday at the collegiate level. Even though they were playing in NCAA Division II in the Lone Star Conference, the SFU Red Leafs are no more after 57 seasons as uh, they've elected to shut down the football program. President of Football Canada and a BC mainstay, Jim Mullen, joins us, a good friend of the show. Jim, what do you make of all of this? I want your uh, perspective on this, your expertise on this. Well, I think that uh, Simon Fraser's administration didn't want football. Uh, They didn't want the cost associated with it. Uh, I think their athletic director um, has a history of not fully embracing uh, the sport. She ran a uh, 
sport review at UBC a number of years ago that suggested the elimination of the football program. There was significant pushback from uh, the alumni at the time that saved the football program. I suspect SFU football alumni to do very much of the same thing, and I think we're in for a a, uh, roller coaster of another three to four weeks on this piece. I don't think SFU football is done yet. Well, that's good to see. Uh, As far as I know, unless you have some updated information, they hadn't reached out to Can West. Like, do you think Can West would have an appetite to to pick them up right away? They did reach out to Canada West last week in a phone call. Uh, and uh, my understanding is uh, just before the announcement, they reached out again saying, hey, guys, sorry, we're not coming. Uh, I think Canada West is open to exploring opportunities with the uh, just the football program at, uh, at Simon Fraser. That's a discussion that they will need to have, though, uh, and I think that U Sports is open to uh, – looking at reopening uh, some of the policy around uh, Canadian schools and NCAA in regard to football. Uh, That's not saying that it would be a a positive result, uh, but they're open to exploring it. That's the feedback that I get uh, through the various people that that I've talked to now over the last 24 hours or so. And, you know, Ballsy, like I'm, I'm wedging an interview in here because it's been nonstop calls since this thing came down. No, I know, and I can appreciate that. So I really appreciate you always taking my call. From your chair, do you have concerns going forward about other schools in Canada deciding that, hey, football's too expensive and all the uh, things that come with that? I find people at the top of the university food chains uh, – don't have an appetite for sports as much as the coaches and the players and those type of uh, people do. Well, this is like NATO. You attack one of us, you attack all of us, right? Yeah. Um, You know, uh, my main concern right now with this SFU piece is not only the the student-athletes that are left in the lurch right now uh, after recruiting windows have, have shut down, but it's uh, ensuring that, that they get on the field for, for 2023 and they find a path to U sports for, for 2024 because um, this, this program needs to find a way to uh, ensure that, that it continues to operate. So the other 27 schools realize that it's not that easy to mm-hmm. shut down a, a, a football program in any of these centers. I, I'm very confident about, all of the uh, programs that exist in Canada West, that's not my concern. But if you're sitting in a place like York University with all the problems that they've had and how that um, uh, that program's been treated really like a second-class citizen on that campus, that would be a, that would be a place that would be uh, prone to, to something like this. That's, so, re- that's uh, really I think, a... it's, I think we're long overdue for, for a revisit right now of how post-secondary uh, tackle football is is uh, operated and conducted in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know when Dick White was the head of, uh, of U Sports, uh, we had some great conversations about that. Uh, I think the uh, SFU situation that we have right now, um, 
rallies us back to that point again where we need to have that focus. Well, you've been a big guy in saying, and you've said this, it's been your saying, at least on my show, football operates in silos, uh, CJFL or, you know, this portion of the country. We don't come together. Maybe that's something where, like you said, we can do a reset. Glenn Suter alluded to it yesterday on my show, where we can get back all on the same page, getting behind this great Canadian game and not chasing American validation either. But let's focus on the athlete. I mean, I'm not saying this to say, oh, what about the kids? If we focus on the athlete and the student-athlete experience and build out from that point, then we can find common cause. If we're talking about it from our seats, in our silos, within our organizations, we will continue to be in little groups all over the place. So let's go to the most basic central point. What is the best for the Canadian athlete and work out from that, from, from that center on this? And I think we can find applicable answers for our university football programs and our junior programs and even in Quebec, our CJEP programs that can get us all on the same page. Yeah. Jim, uh, lastly, that's really where the outrage is. You got kids, coaches, players, and then recruits who are loyal to this program and April, it's April and you know, they're in the wind now. The recruiting windows are closed for uh, scholarship athletes. Now, Simon Fraser is stepping up with uh, their contractual obligation to uh, pay out athletic scholarships through this next year, but there's no opportunity for these athletes to play at the uh, collegiate level. Um, so, you know, that that's great that the educational portion is being taken care of, but the athletic portion uh, isn't for these kids. It, it, it breaks my heart to, to, to see players on this roster right now literally going back out on the social media and campaigning for a spot somewhere. Uh, you know, the administration, from what I understand, thought that they were actually giving these kids a window to, and they'd be, they'd be just fine if they wanted to pursue athletic opportunities. I can't believe how obtuse that thought is. <laughs> it, it, it really, it, it it, it grates me when, when, when I take a look at what these kids and what these families have, uh, have put into this effort and where this university has left them. So uh, looking into your crystal ball, you said you don't think it's quite done yet. What do you what do you foresee here in the next little bit, Jim? Well, I think that there's uh, a, uh, a, a alumni group that is very focused, very motivated, um, you know, has some uh, funds to work with and has uh, connections and expertise in a number of areas. Uh, their leader used to be the uh, head of the BC Bar Association here, so it wouldn't surprise me if there's a legal challenge to this uh, coming very soon. Uh, I think they know how to communicate. Uh, Farhan Lalji is uh, is part of this group, and, and you know that that messaging is going to be important through this. And, you know, it's it's interesting that Teresa Hansen, the AD, uh, went through this before uh, at at UBC when they tried to kill the football program there. Um, You know, there was that pushback, and she should expect the same kind of pushback again, and it wouldn't surprise me if there's the same result where they saved this football program. Uh, There's there's more difficult hoops that they have to jump through in terms of Canada West and, and U Sports. But if, if people's minds remain open and they put the athlete first and the sport first, we can find a solution on this.
Jim, uh, I'm glad you're in the chair you're in. I, I've always said that. Get back to answering phone calls, my friend. I'd, ra- I'd rather be me than you today. Yeah, I got somebody holding on line two right now. <laughs> see, you la- see you later, buddy. Bye. Watch Performer on 620 CKRM. He takes over here in the top of the six with the Blue Jays leading two to one. And if our show sends one in the air, fairly well hit to the opposite field, and it's gone. Dalton Varsho's first home run as a Blue Jay, and it is now 3-1. to one. Boy, oh boy, when he starts hitting the ball the opposite field, that's nothing but great signs. And they're giving him the silent treatment in the dugout, and nobody got up to congratulate him, but he has really been embraced by his new teammates. He fits right into this ball club. Yeah, Dalton Varsho homers on a fly ball to left field in the top of the sixth to make it 3-1 Blue Jays. The Jays would go on to win 4-1, to one, and Dalton Varsho, he wasn't only doing it with the bat. He had a nice outfield assist from left field as well, throwing a runner out at the plate last night. So I think Jays fans liking what they're seeing for the most part in that Lourdes Gurriel Jr. trade with the Diamondbacks. Delton Farsho putting together some good games early in the season, and he is your sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service at Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fan Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking Riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage, live from the Brand Center, getting set for the Pats and the Saskatoon Blades. Pats, of course, have a 2-1 series lead. They were on the verge of taking a stranglehold 3-0 series lead, but the Blades rally for three goals, including the OT winner by Sidorov, and they go on to the victory and get back in this series. Mooshaw looking to finish off Lethbridge tonight, up three games to none. Uh, Winnipeg's taking on Medicine Hat. They're up three games to none, and I believe Red Deer and Calgary get going again tonight. The Red Deer Rebels up two games to one on the Calgary Hitmen. Those are the... Uh, series affecting us out east let's head out on the western pizza hotline get it hot get it fast at western pizza we'll talk some lacrosse saskatchewan rush and uh jimmy quinlan their coach joining us hey jimmy how you doing pretty good it was uh looked like an exciting finish yesterday at the brant center so um that that giving up the lead late is what we did we were just lucky this past weekend to, to pull it out in overtime so uh, yeah, yeah, and we'll talk about yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding, man. Yeah, like, I, look I, at this. You, you couldn't have written this any better. Uh, like, uh, six teams between five and seven wins. Like, uh, you are in playoff mode right now. Yeah, we're in a position where it's win and stay in. So, uh, again, luckily for us, uh, you know, we we had a bad stretch um, spanning a month where we lost five in a row, and we somehow kind of found ourselves still in it. So. Um, and the nice thing is for us, we've got uh, the games remaining are all the teams that are kind of right there with us. So if we take care of our business, um, we'll get to where we want to get to. So um, we're just taking it one game at a time. But, yeah, sports uh, sports can be uh, pretty humbling at times. Hey, uh, let's talk about big game Bobby. Robert Church uh, got you that overtime win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, we, it was just a simple play that we've been kind of running you know, early offense, set a back pick, roll the middle, and then, you know, he was open for forever. Mark found him, and he, and he put it in. And so that was huge for us because I think it was uh, – we were up 11-5 with – or 11-6 with seven minutes to go, and all of a sudden, you know, we, we kind of blink, and it's 11-11. And so um, that was one of those things where, 
you know, for our guys to kind of show some resolve and, and stick with it and then just realize that we needed to get the next one. It was huge for us. So, yeah, we we were elated on the bench when, when that ball went in off Bobby's stick. Let's talk about your captain for a minute, Ryan Dilks. Uh, apparently, judging by your website, he had his best game of the season. Can you expand on that? Yeah, I mean, he is a guy who got kind of hurt early in the season and was kind of finding his way back. Uh, he missed about six games there with, with injury, and so... Um, well, actually, I missed three games, but he missed six weeks with an injury. So he had a shoulder injury. And so um, I think for a while it's, it's kind of taken him to find his legs. And um, He was all over the place on, on Saturday night, uh, causing turnovers everywhere and playing solid defense, and he even contributed in the transition game. So, um, you know, I, I think kind of through our five-game skid, the message to our group was that our best players needed to be our best players. And, you know, Mark Matthews had three goals that night. Robert Church had four. Ryan Diltz, Kyle Rubish. Um, Holden Garland, those guys were awesome at the back end. And so um, it's one of those things when your best players show up, you obviously have a, a way higher percentage of winning. Uh, talk about this because I've talked about this with the Pats in this series. The um, the goaltender, it might be a 6-5 game. As long as he doesn't give up the sixth goal, he's happy. And Drew Sim, your goaltender didn't start spectacularly, but you, know, you win 12-11, you think goaltending wasn't that big a deal, but it was. He made some big saves. Yeah, Alex Bouquet's been real good for us. And, and again, I, I think every game he's given us a chance to win. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people will look at our starts and they'll, they'll kind of, you know, falter our defense. But really through our, our losing streak and, and even in the games we've won, really what it is has been our offense has been able to get out to a fast start. And so, again, on, on Saturday night, we were a little bit slow to, to, to find a way to solve their goaltender. But um, Alex Bouquet made a number of athletic and, and, and big saves just to kind of allow us to stay afloat and then eventually we found our offense and um you know once we kind of got down to the nitty-gritty and they tied it he didn't allow another one and so it is one of those things where it's not always how many saves they make but when they make them and uh again he was good when we needed him to be and then at the end he was able to shut the door so uh, we'll need another performance like that moving forward here this weekend yeah, you're in, George. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, that's the first time all year where the team, other teams scored first and you guys came back to win. How much of a confidence builder is that? Well, it's big. I mean, again, it's one of those things where, you know, as, as a coach, we're always talking to our guys about, you know, playing with confidence. But the, the reality of things is that success breeds confidence. And so, you know, when you're not having a lot of success, it's, it's kind of difficult for the guys to, 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 you know, to see all the things they're doing well. And so for us, you know, to be able to, to find a win when we fell behind and even to kind of squander that late lead, I, I think, speaks volumes. And I think the, the thing I was most proud of, or we as coaches were most proud of, is that we just stuck with it. We never once kind of stopped playing or, or looked kind of, you know, north to the scoreboard. We just kind of stuck to the plan and really focused on those controllables, which we, we talk about doing daily and just playing the game kind of shift by shift. And so, uh, again, I think, you know, moving here down the stretch, I think that'll continue to be the message that, you know, we we want to be a team that dictates how we play, and we got to believe that uh, if we stick with it, the the, the rewards or the the benefits will will come to fruition. Jimmy Quinlan, coach of the Saskatchewan Rush. Good luck uh, this weekend in Georgia. Okay. Yes, yes, we'll have a, a great weekend down there. They got some golf tournament I've never heard of going on, so it might be a little busier <laughs> than normal. That's fun, but they, that that is a that's definitely a, a good time. An orange jacket or, or a blue jacket? I mean, green maybe. I don't know what color the jacket. Yeah, is. yeah, pretty, something like that. Maybe, maybe you could sneak in for a round. That'd be fun. 
Well, I don't think they want me on the course. They'd have me <laughs> off there pretty quickly. So, <laughs> The only swing you're interested in is uh, swinging that lacrosse stick into the net with the ball and winning the game or a couple in Georgia. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Awesome. Have a good one. Awesome. Jimmy Quinlan, coach of the Saskatchewan Rush. We'll be back to tee up this game some more. It's the Pats and the Saskatoon Blades from the Brand Center on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports ticker time. Just three games in the National Hockey League tonight. The Calgary Flames in Winnipeg to take on the Jets. And that game has big playoff implications. Uh, tonight in Winnipeg, so we shall see what happens there. The Tampa Bay Lightning, they are in the Big Apple tonight to take on the New York Rangers, and the Edmonton Oilers in Anaheim on the West Coast taking on the Anaheim Ducks. The one game that really matters, though, let's be honest, happens right here in the Queen City. Pats up 2-1 in the series on the Saskatoon Blades with Game 4 going tonight at the Brand Center. 6-10 pregame show. On 620 CKL, ran with Dante DeCaria and the whole panel as well. Rob Vanstone, Kelly Rempo, Drew Posty. Well, I'll take you up to puck drop tonight. The Sports Cage is your voice for football. Not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. The CFL Report is for Kevin's Marine. Make the most of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine in Fort Coppell. Kevin'sMarine.com Yesterday was a sad day for football in Canada. The SFU program shut down after being denied access into the NCAA Div 2 Lone Star Conference. SFU alum Glenn Souter who's a regular on our show and Hall of Fame football broadcaster, had this to say on the sports cage yesterday. First of all, Michael, I feel bad for the athletes that have committed and and all the staff and and everyone that's involved with the football program that they're going to be now scrambling. I I really hope that they don't, uh, you know, lose a year. I'm sure they won't lose a year of eligibility, but I hope they don't lose a year of football because, uh, you know, they'd be all registered and committed. Um, you know, I, I hope that there's some accountability here for for what was a bad decision uh, back uh, a few years back when they decided to try and compete financially with the NCAA, with I, which I think was just, you know, a bad idea. And, and, you know, this is, I believe, one of the reasons that it's cost them. I mean, uh, I, I read something that Doug Brown said today where he called it a colossal failure from the leadership at SFU, you know, and... If I if I could take it in a you know in a bigger picture way and look at it, I I hope that from this we you know all the leaders in our country when it comes to this game and that that includes the commissioner's office of the CFL, but Football Canada, head of youth sports football, head of provincial football programs, head of flag football programs, all the way down to the kids playing. That this is a that this is a call to order, a call to action, that that these leaders will start collaborating, and you know stop. They're not really competing, but they're, you know, they're basically in their own camps, worried about their own issues, and not really collaborating to grow to grow the game collectively. Because it's you know right now, Michael, it's time for our entire country to go to three downs at all levels. It's yes. time to collab- to collaborate at all levels. It's time to lean into our game in our country and stop those people that are still doing it right now. 
stop looking for validation from the country that's south of us. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Let's get after it. Hour and a half left in the show, or a little less than that. Get the set for the Pats and the Saskatoon Blades. Our pregame shows at 6.10 here, right from the concourse, southeast side of the concourse. We'll have the full panel here. Kelly Rempel, Rob Vanstone, Drew Posty, and the voice of Regina Pats hockey, Dante DiCaria. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a great game tonight. The Pats had a 3-1 lead and uh, let it slip away. We'll get to more Pats and Blades talk in a minute. Uh, the 2023 Saskatchewan Sports Hall of Fame induction class and the 55th induction dinner and ceremony will be held September 23rd at the Connexus Arts Center. The class of 2023 features four inductees in the athlete category, three in the builder category. In the athlete category, Jamie Crookshank-Boyer, of Saskatoon, multi-sport. Ryan Getzlaff, of course, hockey player. He will join us at the um, August, uh, April 22nd, pardon me, for the Regina Red Sox dinner on the stage along with his brother, Chris Getzlaff. Joanne McEachern from Leroy in soccer. Haley Wickenheiser, you may have heard of her. Women's hockey, uh, she is uh, from Shonovan. She'll go in the athletes category. In the builder category, I hope I don't... Uh, butcher this but Lorne Lasuda from Winyard multi-sport Bernadette McIntyre of Bethune curling of course Noreen Murphy from Saskatoon in softball that goes down September the 23rd 2023 the Conexus Art Center congratulations to the inductees and as we get closer we will have some of them on the sports cage as you know all right so Yes, the Regina Pats and the Saskatoon Blades tonight in Game 4. When they pulled up to the Delta Hotel where the Saskatoon Blades are staying, their coach, Brennan Sonny, got on the uh, bus microphone, apparently, and said, hey, the first five minutes of this game, the most important in the series. Well, the Pats outplayed the Saskatoon Blades early on in the first period and into the second period. But the Blades hung around and took the game over in the third out, shooting the Pats 13-2 to and coming away with an overtime victory. His second goal of the game by Igor Sidorov. And, uh, yeah, it was a 4-3 Saskatoon Blades victory. Here's what their coach, Coach Brennan Sonny, had to say after the game. I think it's better to be 2-1 than 3-0, yep. <laughs> uh, not as much early. We weren't playing with, like, confidence, swagger, mojo early. As the game got going more and more and more like third period and especially in overtime that was just us um that was the confidence we need to play with the mojo the swagger the enthusiasm guys were into it on the bench especially in overtime and that's what we need to continue to do i just think hopefully it's a lesson learned like let's come out of the gates like that you know um it's 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 a mindset it really is it's a mindset from every guy so hopefully it's a lesson learned Detroit's come through in so many big moments during the regular season. I guess, for you guys, how cool is it to see him come through with the two goals tonight? Sido? Yeah. I mean, there's an example, right? I, I mean, I don't think he had the same swagger and confidence he did in the third and overtime um, at early in the series. So hopefully he's found it and let's continue it. Can you speak to the play of Chadwick? Uh, Obviously, you made the goal of change in this game. He was solid. Like, my favorite save probably was the power play Bedard shot where he just. Stood tall. He didn't. He didn't sink into his net or 
or anything like that. Like he was aggressive, he was on his toes. I liked his game. This was kind of just with you guys getting the win today, because it would have felt like Justice probably wasn't served with the way the series gone if you guys fell down three nothing. I mean that the word justice like. That's not, it is hockey and, and breaks happen and bounces happen and bad luck happens. That's what's so fun about sport. So would I use the word justice serve? Probably not. I would just say more, uh, it feels good to come back in a game and, and play blades hockey, especially in the third. And That's the uh, blades head coach, Brennan Sawney. Now I would suggest the second best the second most talented player in the series behind Connor Bedard is Stanislav Sposal of the Regina Pats on the back end. Here's what Stan the Man had to say after the game. Uh, I don't know. I think we played good two two periods, and in last period we did two stupid penalties, and I don't know. And that overtime goal that was a little unlucky, but like I don't know, we lost, so it's it. It's not good, but like we know it's 2-1 and tomorrow is next next day, next game, so we have to be ready for tomorrow. It's actually important uh, because it, that series could be for seven games and, and we know Saskatoon is tough op- opponent, so we have to be ready for every game. Do you feel like you've stepped your game up here coming into the playoffs, three goals and some good defensive play so far? Oh yeah, I think it's not bad, but like um, I, uh, I'm happy we won first two games, and I care more about about team than myself. So it's nice, but like uh, I'm happy we won first two games, and we, we all are sad we lost today. So that's Columbus Blue Jackets prospect Stanislav Sposal, defenseman for the Regina Pats, a goal and two helpers last night. He's got three and three in the series, and in my opinion, the second best player talent-wise in this series. I'll pick the brain of my color commentator on the TV broadcast, Nolan Cole, the voice of the Estevan Bruins. Next, it's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. But that one, the King Kong gets way to the front and shot it just wide. Bernard! secondary scoring balls in the top guys have come to play tonight we talked about it off the start Saskatoon has had no answer for Connor Bedard in this series what a shot I think that net might have been off behind Chadwick but I, I think he may have knocked it off himself anyways there's no argument from the blades on it that's uh, the color commentator on the broadcast, Nolan Cole. That was uh, yours truly on the call. We're doing it again tonight on Access Now Sports, although we do encourage you to uh, make sure you still tune in to 620 CKRM, the voice of Pat's Hockey. Eagle-eyed Nolan sitting with me here. Um, I don't know what the – I asked James Gallo, the Warriors, he didn't really have an answer. I Like, okay, so they reviewed it. Could they have given the goalie a penalty for kicking it off? Well, that's what what I saw on Twitter today was yeah. people were saying he should have been penalized for delay a game, right? That yeah. play, and then even the earlier play where he knocked it off when he got caught out of his. I leg. don't mind that first one because yeah. he was cross cutting to take a straight line to scramble back when right. he when he flubbed it in behind the net. Drew Sim would do it later at that same end, right. but so I don't mind that they didn't score on that one. They didn't score on that one. They could have. Chance yeah. was in the top of the slot there, looking for his second ever goal. Right, uh, but 
that one there, like you saw it right away. Did you see it off before he kicked it off? I saw it off, I think, just as the shot came in. Because yeah. I was looking at the net, right? Yeah. Like that net live, it's like that net was off, right? So, um, yeah, I think by rule, I don't I don't know for sure. By rule, I, I think you've seen those delayed game yeah. penalties called yeah. in the NHL, right? Yeah. So, Again, I mentioned on the broadcast, just wish there was more of an explanation from the official in the rink. I, I'm sure they gave it to both coaches, right? To me, because James Gallo said they had one this year where their, their net, uh, where they scored a goal, the net was knocked off, but they let the goal stand because it didn't affect the goal. I think the same thing. It wasn't like it was a sharp-angled shot or a wraparound. It was a shot that was going to go in whether the net was right. s- uh, slightly off or on the right. mooring, right? Right, yeah. So, so you were surprised they disallowed I it? I was then. surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and hearing what James had to say, right. I'm not a... I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm a hockey expert right. or a Western Hockey League rule expert, but it just, and that, my friend, I think could be a series defining play. Because if the Pats score there, I'm, yeah. I'm almost, we talked about this off the air. I think it could end up like a 6 1 game because they had them on the ropes. Yeah, that's interesting. And I mean, it's easy to look back at hindsight and say that goal would have been the difference. You never know if that goal counts, balls, maybe the game develops differently. So you can't say definitively, but it's a valid point. And anyway, you slice it. Obviously, Bedard ended up scoring later in the third. It was, yeah. it was still a two goal lead. So from a patch perspective, it's one you still got to win, right? But they didn't. And it's, it's, it's an interesting one, and I just I wonder. Obviously, the refs they didn't blow it dead, right? Because yes. it wasn't off for long enough, or it was slightly off, and they didn't notice it. They didn't blow it dead, but like you said, it's a good point that it being off had no bearing on the on the goal no. at all, right? So, well, and the, and the Pats got to stay on the penalty box. The Blades power yeah. play woke up finally, scored three goals, right? Yes, yes, and that's and the third period, the ice was just so tilted, right? And and uh, you just knew when they took that power penalty in the last minute, which I, we agreed on the broadcast. It was a penalty. There was people disputing that, but I think that's that's a legit penalty with yep. with a team fighting for their season down a goal right in front of the official. It's going to be called. I think right? the fans are mad though because earlier, if you remember, uh, at some point in the game, I forget exactly where Bedard. It was a five on four, and Bedard was open in the slot and got tripped up, and it could have been a okay. five on three, and there was no call. So it's yep. like one of those things where you'd like like to see it even up like marbles at the end. If you're going to let one go, then right. let one go. But it was right in front of the ref, and it was uh, it was definitely, uh, I think it was a penalty. But you have to say this regardless. Yeah. What a gritty, gutsy effort yes. by the Blades. Their season, they were cooked if they lose that game. Yeah, absolutely. We said it all night. It was a must-win for them. And, and again, we touched on it last night, just the resolve they showed down two goals. So after the Bedard goal, it got so loud in here. Uh, I yeah. think many people, you and I, maybe thought that was it. Well, right? I said, on the yeah. call, I said that looks like it could be the dagger, and it wasn't. I know, and you give that team all the credit in the world for, for A, scoring a minute after Ballsy, which was yeah. also a power play goal, right, to, yeah. get, to get back within one. And then the last five minutes, the Pats were just hanging on for dear life. Yeah. And in the end, they just couldn't kill off the final 35, 36 seconds, whatever it was. And then the overtime, the ice was was just completely tilted in, in the Blades' favor, too. Bad news number one for the Pats is, and I was concerned about this, and anybody that watches would be, Pats are a one-and-a-half-line hockey team, okay? Like, I yeah. think they have they have the two best players in this in this series Agreed. in in Bedard and Sposo. Yep. Sue's the left's high end. Yes. Tanner Howell, though, he's been quiet. Man, he had a chance to score two uh, at the lip of the crease and got it. He whiffed on it with the goalie right. down and out. So hockey's a game of inches. But the Blades are a deeper team, and I felt like they had no answer for the Bedard line. 
where the answer was is the Bedard line ran out of gas. They yeah. were tired at the end. They didn't have the same impact late in the game, but you're right. The Blades, and the other thing too, Ballsy, the Blades didn't have the season they had to go out in the first round. You know what I mean? They were a top team yeah. in the Eastern Conference all year, so you know they don't want to go out in the first round. And, and the big thing for me, yeah, they're a deeper team. They have more confidence now. They were flat in the first period last night. This is a confident bunch now heading into tonight's game. You know they're going to be probably even better than they were last night, at least to start the game. They have the momentum right now, and the onus is on the Regina Pats to try to wrestle some of that back, and it will start with, as always, Connor Bedard. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and speaking of confidence, you could see it in in the play of one guy. He had 40 goals and 76 points in his sophomore year here. That would be uh, Sidorov, and and he had a couple of chances early, got into it a little bit physically to ignite his game, yeah. and then that he faked a he faked like he was going to blast it, took two steps to the side, and zing, it was in the net. And then the overtime one too. I I just didn't like how the Pats yeah. D man. I forget who it was. He did he didn't play him right. He kind of let him take the angle towards. Is the that net. one the overtime winner? Does Sim need to have that along the ice? Yeah, he does. One? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. He, I think he needs to make that because he beat him to the far. Right. I thought it went through the wickets, but no. on the replay, it went to the far post. It's one you got to stop, but still a great individual effort from from Cedarov. I loved his interview with Rena Anowski post game. Yeah. again, it just it speaks to the confidence he has and just the celebration after. It's like, okay, we're in this series. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and uh, again, you, you got to say that the Blades have the confidence, momentum heading into tonight. But that could change in a hurry. Again, first period is going to be huge. The Saskatoon Blades in the regular season gave up the second fewest goals next to the Seattle Thunderbirds. And yes, they won the game. And yes, they were better in the third period. But like, okay, what is going on on that third goal with Bedard? I know he's great, but yeah. they're standing around watching him. What do you do? How did he did that to you twice in your own barn? How does he do it here when it's a two-one hockey game and the shift before Pats couldn't get it out of their own? Like how does it? And then and then you remember a play too where he's dancing and making the puck talk and. Everybody's drawn to him like yeah. Adam Hockey, and Suzdalev is wide open back door, and he just couldn't take the pass from Bedard. He does it to everyone, Ballsy. He's, he's, he's done it to everyone all season. doesn't matter what team. These are good Western Hockey League defensemen. That he's he's making. Yeah, they're not terrible players. No, they're not. Some of them are going to the NHL, right? Like, and he he's going through them like nothing. That the breakaway goal, a prime example of it. He, as you mentioned on that other play, he sucks two or three guys to him. I'm I'm curious what what are the conversations like behind the scenes with coaches when they're trying to game plan for this guy? Because for whatever those is being said, it's not working. And I think I think a lot of it is mental. We we used the word mesmerized yesterday. Yeah, just seems like he has that factor. Like a Connor Connor McDavid, obviously a crazy comparison i think but still he has that that star power that just that just you know just gets in in the opposition's heads i'm interested because you know the blades will be better i want to see can bedard ratchet it up to another level like is he going to raise everybody else's game on his side you saw when he came out and he's handled his notoriety and everything great what i liked liked about him for lack of a better way of putting it, he was pissed off. When he came out in the star celebration, he was one of the three right. stars, and they throw the stick over the glass of the fans. He kind of, he wasn't very yeah. cordial. You know right. what I mean? He's like, here you go, I'm going back in, I'm mad, right? He might have to, but I think from a Pat's perspective, too, you, you maybe need a little more production from the second, third line tonight, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Uh, well, you do. You, you do. know, eventually the Blades might, might 
figure out how to, to slow him down a little bit, take away his time and space. They haven't really done it as of yet, but as the series goes along, you get a little more worn down. I think they're going to need that, that secondary punch from, from other guys like Zach Stringer, etc. But, uh, you know, obviously for the Pats to win this series, he's going to have to be their best The player. one thing the Pats did uh, well, uh, continue to do well, is block shots. They blocked yeah. a lot of shots, man. Like, and I forget who it was. I think it was Corbin Vaughn in front of the net. He's fending off a Blades player while blocking a shot with his skates. Like, it was a, they, there's still the buy-in factor. Like, it wasn't yeah. like the Pats soiled the sheets. Right. The, the, the Blades are a great team. Yeah. Veteran team got some confidence, like you said. They tilted the ice. It'll be interesting to see what the uh, what the Pats can do. Okay, one minute to go here. SJHL, both games were one nothing. Double overtime for the Battlefords and Flin Flon, man. So yeah, crazy disallowed goal in the Flin Flon game. Saw that. Was upset about that. I saw kind of a vague replay yeah. on hockey TV. I don't know <laughs> what the ruling was there. The, the, I think the Bombers got some some luck, and then yeah, Battlefords double overtime ballsy. So. Both those series could end tonight. They could have taken some more time for the Estevan Flint series. <laughs> Round three is going to be ready to start this weekend, quite possibly, if, if both those teams win again tonight. I'm going to give you a rest because yeah, uh, yeah. we got a hockey game to call and you're battling a cold. Thanks for your time, man. Thanks, Paul. Talk to you later. Hey, we got the high priestess of WHL hockey calls. It is Les Lazaruk. And we're actually, when we introduce him after five o'clock, we're going to use the old blades of steel mixed in with Les Lazaruk's call. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Here comes Cedaroff on the near wing. Coming for the near shot. He scores! Winner, winner, chicken dinner in overtime. Igor Cedaroff's second goal of the game. And it's a road ice advantage series because the road team has won all three games. The Blades are back in it as a result. Down 2-1 in the series with game four tomorrow night here in Regina. One of the best voices in hockey anywhere, any league. Les Lazaruk of the Saskatoon Blades joining us. I really like what Matt Young does at CTV at Saskatoon. He mixed your call with the Blades of Steel. He does a lot of those great things and nostalgia videos and everything like that. What a great call. And I'll tell you what, man. We talked about it when you were sitting here yesterday. Cedaroff had one point after having 76 in the regular season and 40 goals. All it takes is a beautiful Power play, patient goal, and boom, the confidence is there. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that was a big goal because it happened 53 seconds after Bedard had scored to make it 3-1. to one. And there are Pats fans who are still grumbling because of the disallowed goal. Yep. Should have been 3-1 back in the first period. Yep. That goal shouldn't have mattered, etc., etc., etc. Hey, yep. it, tell the branch center to fix the post in the net and that <laughs> one end. That's all I have to say. Uh, but having said that, though, Bedard makes it three to one, and I must admit, at that point, Michael, I thought it was done. It was mm. going to be three nothing, and this might be, you know, like the funeral march for Game Four for the Saskatoon Blades, a one hundred and one point team, yeah. third best points percentage record in franchise history, and going to go down in flames in four straight to the Regina Pats. They still may go down in this series. I mean, this is nothing guaranteed mm. that they're coming back and winning by any stretch. Who knows what happens in Game Four tonight? But the Bedard goal, I thought, was it. That was going to be three nothing. To get the power play right away, bad penalty against the Pats, and John Paddock told me that today yeah. before we got going on tape, and I really didn't have the 
cojones to ask him that <laughs> because I know he would have gotten upset at me for doing so and taking advantage of that. But uh, basically, he was not happy with the penalty. The Blades get the power play chance and make good on it right away, get to within a goal, 53 seconds after it's 3-1, to one, now it's 3-2, to two, and you could just see the confidence grow all of a sudden in the Blades that, hey, we're still close. Mm-hmm. We might have a chance. And sure enough, they end up winning the game. Yeah, so I'll get to Bedard in a second with the goal. The disallowed goal, whether we agree or, 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 or don't agree, that could be, though, I think we can agree on this, that could be... A series-defining play. If the pa- if that goal does hold up, if some because I had James Gallo from the Warriors on earlier, he said mm. earlier this year they had a goal that was disallowed that they scored, but they went back to video review. The net was off, but they let the goal stand because it didn't affect the goal. Okay, that's what James said. Okay, yeah. I would I would say in that scenario, which I didn't see. I think you could apply it to last night because it wasn't like it was a wraparound or a, a dry sidle sharp angled shot like he likes to do, you know, yeah. like the kids like to do now. Sue's the left tried it yesterday. Yes. Uh, that was one from the slot. It didn't affect how the puck would have gone in. But I think we both can agree. If that goal holds up, it, it, it feels like the Pats are starting to really, they, they might crush the blades, but it, it turned around the blades, stemmed the tide, and a real character gritty win for that older hockey team. Gutsy win, I, yeah. I said, and yeah. uh, I think Brendan Sonny in the moment last night when I mentioned that word to him really didn't go with it. He didn't run with it as, as I suggested. He was just so happy with the with the team coming back and being able to have the swagger, as yep. he called it, on their power play to get a couple of goals and then score again in overtime to win. I, I just thought it was really gutsy because. That disallowed goal, like you say, it would have been 3-1 really early, and who knows what might have been. It might have been 4-5-1 by the end of the second period. Instead, it's still 2-1 to through the end of the first. A second period in which really wasn't all that terribly eventful. The Blades managed to tread water but started to slowly but surely take away momentum from the Pats. Mm-hmm. Then you get to the third period. Now they're pushing, except counterattack by the Pats and Bedard scores and now you think it's over but then you get the power play goal make it 3-2 get the goal with the yeah. goaltender out on the power play again and I know there's a lot of Pats fans who are going again what's with the ref why are you calling a tripping penalty with a minute 59 no, that was left? A penalty. but that it was, was a penalty, penalty. Yeah. absolutely I think everybody John Paddock agreed that was a penalty he didn't like the timing of it yeah show me a coach that likes the timing of any penalty really but he understood it was a penalty Pats you know, can't kill it off. It's a six on four. Lazowski scores, forces overtime. And then it was just from there on. The best player on the ice in this series, not named Connor Bedard, yeah. has been Stanislav Sposal. Yes, I agree. Except that I think I'd like to see what the time on ice for Stanislav Sposal was last night. Because I'll bet you he was riding 30 plus minutes last night in that game. And he looked tired and slow when Cedarov took the puck along the boards and Chuck, you know, moved around him and for the net. 100%, and I think that's the issue here. I said this to a few people. I'm going to mention it to Phil Anders in our Where Are They Now segment at the end of the show. The Blades, from my inexperienced view, because <laughs> I haven't watched them all year, yeah. the Blades have the better overall team. But the Pats have, I think, the two most talented players oh, yeah. in this series, in Bedard and Sposal, here's the problem with the Pats. That line, the Blades had no answer for that line, mm-hmm. that first line, for a good chunk of the game. As the game wore down, 
or wore on, that line got tired. You yeah. could tell they could, and, in, and they didn't even touch the puck in overtime. It was it was over. Yeah, it, it was basically like a bad game of keep away. Yeah. by the Blades against Regina in the overtime period. So, uh, again, I think tonight Regina's opened the scoring in all three games so far. They need to do that again tonight. I think the Blades need to finally score an opening goal if they're going to try and come back and tie this series up here tonight. And Game 5 going back to Saskatoon Friday and then maybe a Game 6 back here on Saturday. What a schedule that is. crazy. Just cram it it all in here. I mean, I was saying last night to the the panel uh, on the pregame show, he's playing seven games in 11 days. That's a crazy schedule. That's that's a lot of hockey in a short Mm -hmm. period of time. If you can, you'd like to be able to finish things off quickly and then get a little bit of time to rest before you play That's the right. next round but there, there may not be that situation for either of these teams no matter who wins your goaltender tell me what you thought of his play i thought he made a couple of real great saves one on a power play uh where he stood tall and another one there was a there was a kick save where yep. he flashed the right pad and then got the rebound right yep. away that was a great stop too. yeah it was and that was a shot off of Swozel yep. from the point along the right wing side uh kicked out the right pack as it was headed to the far corner uh jaden weens was battling in front with somebody and the rebound hit weens and sat down for him if that gets past the blade forward in front and gets out into the slot, there may be a path there to put yeah. on the rebound. So Blades got some bounces and some breaks last night that they did not get at home in the first two games. Those bounces and breaks that the Pats got the first two games in Saskatoon, they really didn't get last night at home. So we'll see what ends up happening here tonight, which team gets some breaks along the line. Okay, so the Saskatoon Blades gave up the second-fewest goals in the regular season behind the Seattle Thunderbirds, I yep. believe. So I'm looking at this series going, what's going on? And then I, I call that game with my own two beady little eyes, okay? <laughs> my diabetic eyes. What is going on? Like, I know Bedard's great. Yeah. I know he's great. That's the third time he sliced through the D. Th- there was another shift where he's making the puck talk, deking everybody out just inside the blue line. They forget about Suze the left yeah. in front of the net, and if he could control that puck, it's probably a goal. Like, what is going on with their D-zone coverage? Well, I think you can get mesmerized by Bedard Good to a word. great degree. And then, the, uh, and then the one with the splitting the defense, that's just bad communication by the two defensemen. Yeah. They both should not be converging on Connor Bedard. One guy or the other is taking. The other guy is supposed to fall in behind mm. and then make sure that in case Bedard happens to get through, there's still another line of defense to get through before he gets to the net. Yeah. So that's just bad communication on the part of those two guys who and I'll, I'll identify them. Blake Gustafson is a 20-year-old veteran. Charlie Wright's a 19-year-old who attended Edmonton Oilers training camp yep. last year. Together this season they've been phenomenal. Wright was the best plus-minus on the team. Gustafson brought a veteran presence and a, and a, a solid defensive defenseman, shut time, shutdown type of defenseman to the team for 68 games of the regular season. That mistake by them is rare, uh, to put it mildly, and I think that that's just something that they'll have to learn from when they're playing against Bedard is make sure you had communicate with each other like you've been doing all season long and make sure it happens in the playoffs because it really doesn't change no matter who it is, whether it's Connor Bedard, whether it's Matthew Savoy in Winnipeg, whether it's uh, Gavin McKenna in Medicine Hat, whether it's uh, you know Brad Lambert in Seattle, whomever the big star is that's coming down on you and can create a, an issue for you, you still have to communicate. Yeah, okay, before I let you go, yes. the Masters going on. PGA versus Liv, it's like WrestleMania here. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, man, I think these Liv guys, I haven't watched one iota of Neither have I. but I tell you, it seems like they've become fat cats. They got their money. They're I I I, I don't. They don't play enough. I don't think I they're going to win. I agree with you. I'm I'm with you. You and I discussed this before we got on air. I like 
to me, golf is that sport where you get rewarded for doing well, and you don't get rewarded if you don't do so well. Right. You don't get guaranteed money to play golf. You have to go out there and get birdies and eagles and go nails under par yeah. in order to win the big bucks on the tour. Uh, so I don't think the live guys are going to win. If they happen to, great. No, I'll eat my crow. I've yeah. done it God knows how many times in the course of my lifetime. <laughs> I've, been, I, I've been wrong before, Ballsy. Trust yeah. me. Trust yeah. me. I've been wrong before. Uh, but I, I, I would love to see Rory McIlroy win it. And shove it right down the throats of those guys from Live because yeah. it would be, you know, perfect. That would be karma as far as I'm concerned. He hasn't won a major since 2014. I like the Spieth kid too, and I'd love yeah. to see Tiger. But like you uh, said before we came on, if the weather's no good, he might not even play the rest of the weekend. They say Saturday's just going to be a washout entirely. So if that's the case, you're back. I mean, I don't know if you've had back issues or no, body but I, issues. I'm starting to feel my age. Yeah, well, I know what it's like for me. My back you know, feels it when it's not nice outside. I won't. I, I, I'm a fair weather golfer i golf in the 80s and that's not my score that's, <laughs> that's oh, the temperature be, that can be my score too but it's mostly the temperature <laughs> hey buddy i appreciate it eh? all right man one of my favorite guys in the hockey world les lazaruk we'll be back with more here on the sports cage on 620 ckrm our house is your house welcome inside the sports cage on saskatchewan sports radio 620 ckrm we're your voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM, your voice of Regina Pats Hockey. Our pregame show begins at 610 right here from the southeast end of the concourse in front of the old Pats store, if you're familiar. Play-by-play just after 7 right here with Dante DeCarey. His panel includes Kelly Rempel, Rob Vanstone, and Drew Posty. We're also your voice of Saskatchewan Rough Riders football. We got an announcement, a couple of announcements to make from the professional football team in this province. First off... The home opener against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers here on Father's Day weekend. And the halftime show, Canadian legendary rocker Kim Mitchell. Patio lanterns, gopher soda, rock and roll duty. Lots of great uh, tunes from Kim Mitchell and his catalog. So he will be the halftime show, home opener, Riders and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, he is a rock zinger. You don't. You're too young. You don't really know. But he rocks a mean skullet. At least he used to. I don't know if he if he's shaved a off the skullet. The, the, wow. Okay. Well, skull skull, and then the mullet. But maybe he has uh, trimmed his hair. I'm not sure. But he still can bring the energy. So he will be the halftime show. And then of course the Saskatchewan Rough Riders host of the Grey Cup in 2022. And as part of that, they've got their Grey Cup Festival Legacy Grant Program. Nine recipients were announced today. And uh, we have got uh, the... uh, Now, I have no idea how to pronounce this. I'm going to butcher it. Um, uh, Indigenous uh, Center in uh, Regina. Development of a land-based learning space consisting of native prairie grasses and plants. Traditional indigenous medicinal plants where being outdoors together naturally extends the meaning uh, of uh, be together. It's cre- it's a, it's a, it's a, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm not even going to try. Is it Mamawayatitan? Yeah, I have no idea. Let's all let's be all together. That's why I don't want to do it because I feel like I'm not doing it any justice. Uh, Battleford's an area sexual assault center. The funding will support the school-based prevention education program, focusing on promoting a strong sense of self and healthy communities. Sturgeon Lake First Nation, City of 
PA for a youth baseball facility, Prairie Harm Reduction in Saskatoon. The funding will be champion will champion a new youth-led legacy of safer and healthier communities by providing youth with access to hands-on mentorship services. The Coacatoos First Nation, money going there. The Bronx Parents Association, town of Indian Head. Northern Lights School Division. And First Nations University of Canada, Indigenous Continuing Education Center. So lots of great stuff coming out of the uh, Grey Cup Legacy Festival Foundation uh, in the grant program as uh, yes they've awarded $750,000 to amateur sport and Saskatchewan communities through the 109th Grey Cup and Festival coming up on the other side here of the uh, 5.30 news and our uh, Pat chat we have uh, still some to go before we send you to our Pat's broadcast and uh, just pulling up my lineup sheet here. We are going to hear from Ty Spencer once again. And a lot of people ask me, Where's, is Phil Andrews still in Saskatoon? He called Regina Pats hockey for a decade. And every Wednesday, we take a walk down memory lane for Floor Coverings International. And today, we will take a walk down memory lane with our friend Phil Andrews. You can text us at 936-6262. Who do you got tonight? Pats or the Blades? Who do you got tonight? Jets or the Flames? Calgary Flames, two points back of the Winnipeg Jets for the final playoff spot in the NHL's West. Uh, Oilers leapfrog the Kings yesterday, and if Ryan Nugent Hopkins gets one point, he'll have 100, and the Oilers will become the first team since uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins back in the 90s when they had Ron Francis, Mario Lemieux, and Yarmer Yager on the team to have three players with at least 100 points in a season. The Oilers are rolling. Um, they're getting good goaltending. I smell, and Zinger, we're going to start filling out our playoff draft tomorrow on the show i smell zinger a colorado edmonton boston rangers final four well you just stole my picks that's not very fun and i smell an oilers boston stanley cup do you smell what the rock is cooking with the xfl (laughs) <laughs> so Wayne, random. And Kyler, Kyler from our sister station, Play 92, is listening to me. He's a big Colorado fan. He had his cup last year. Their goaltending's pathetic. They won't, they won't beat the Oilers. I wonder year. if Kyler and, uh, remembers watching uh, the Colorado Avalanche when they won the Stanley Cup in 2001. I wonder how old Kyler was then. Uh, Kyler, how old were you in 2001? He was six. Do you remember that cup? He he has a Sackick jersey from when they won. Joe Sackick. All right. Swift Kern. I just had to validate him, ballsy. You know, I just had to make sure. No, he's he's a true fan. He's he's got that sour milk look face. uh, Sour milk look face right now. Like he just. drank a gallon of January 2022 milk when I said the Oilers would beat the Colorado Avalanche. Sometimes the facts hurt. The Oilers have the best player in the world by a country mile, and you always take the team with the best player, like I'm taking the Pats tonight, to beat the Saskatoon Blades. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment on 620 CKRM. All right, sports ticker 531 is for Busy B overhead. Busy B will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Bzz. 
Busy B Doors, the garage door specialists. We are nine minutes away from opening pitch tonight. The Toronto Blue Jays taking on the Kansas City Royals from Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City, Missouri. Alec Manoa gets the start on the bump for the Toronto Blue Jays. Let's see if the Jays can win back-to-back games. That would be nice. Would be nice if the Pats can, you know, win tonight, go up 3-1. I think that's what the doctor's ordering tonight. Pats and Blades, game four in front of a sold-out brand center. It's going to be packed to the brim tonight under the orange top. And we're going to have the pregame show for you right at 6.10 p.m. with Dante DeCaria. Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Regina Pats, 620 CKRM. Yeah, they, 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 came, they came at us pretty good. I, I thought that they were, uh, you know, they, they were stretching the puck. They were doing a lot of the same things that we were doing in the first and second game where they were chipping pucks past our D and they were getting on top of us and, and then they were getting end zone time as a result. And I think that really kind of changed the complexion of the game a little bit. Uh, your guys' penalty kill have been perfect coming into tonight, but they do manage to get three power play goals. Was there anything in particular that maybe you thought the penalty kill wasn't doing that they did the first couple games, or was it just their power play finally breaking through yeah. after some chances? I think, Drew, it's just a matter of you know time, to be honest with you. I mean, they're a skilled team, and we talked about it before the game. The best way to kill penalty is just don't take any. But when you play in your own end enough, you know, bad things can happen and you know that that was a result we played too much below the half wall and uh you know it cost us and obviously drew sim was a huge factor in this game i thought he had i counted i, I wrote some notes kenny and he made a huge save in the second period a glove save on a wraparound chance and then in the third period there was another big save in front what did you think of his performance i know it's in a loss but once again a fabulous game from drew sim yeah drew played Drew played outstanding. I mean, he gave us, you know, a real good chance to win the game tonight, and uh, we didn't take advantage of it, unfortunately. Um, you know, I thought that, you know, a couple of power play goals that, you know, I thought there was an opportunity at times where we could have been had another power play or two. Didn't happen. That's the way it goes. Playoff hockey. Um, sometimes it just does the bounce doesn't go your way, and. Uh, tonight, you know, I thought that the, you know that was a momentum swing once they could start scoring those power play goals. To be quite honest, that's Pat's assistant coach Ken Schneider in conversation with our panel following their loss yesterday, four three to the Saskatoon Blades. Game four tonight, it's a sellout. You can catch it right here on six twenty CKRM, or you can watch it on TV on Access Now Sports. As I'll be on the call with Nolan Cole, but hey, you want to mute us and put on Dante DeCaria. Pat Chat for the Canadian Brew House. Simply Spiked Lemonade is new to the CBH with four bold, full-flavored, fizzy choices to enjoy. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Go, Pats, go. Here's the dart. He's going. In on net. He scores. Connor Bernard. And that could be your dagger. Yeah, after that goal, you thought the Pats were going to run away with this one, but the Saskatoon Blade showed a lot of Stones, a lot of characters. Gorilla Monsoon, the old WWE announcer, used to say a lot of intestinal fortitude, and they fight back, scoring three of their goals in the power play. Igor Sidorov scores the 
Game-winning goal in overtime, his second goal of the contest, and the Regina Pats fall to the Blades 4-3. And we got a series tonight, Game 4, with the Pats up 2-1 and the road team winning every game. Here's Ty Spencer in conversation with our guys on the Pats broadcast following the loss. Yeah, you know, I, th- I thought uh, the first couple periods, you know, we really kind of took it to them. Um, mm-hmm. We kind of know the style that they play, and um, by coming out physical and being hard on the forecheck and kind of catching them by surprise was something that we kind of used to our strengths there. But uh, coming to around the end of the game, we kind of let up for a bit, and, you know, Saskatoon's a good team. we got to give it to them, and they, uh, they cost us. Ty, I know it's easy to say, well, just wash this one away and we're right back at it tomorrow, but especially when the tying goal comes with less than 30 seconds left, just to talk about the process that you guys maybe have to go through to do that, just to, to get back to the way you guys played in the first period when you really had a tremendous start. Uh, how do you wash this one away? Yeah, you know, obviously that's a, that's a kicker. You know, you don't really ever want to go down with, uh, like that, but, uh, you know, it's a seven-game series. Um keep your head up here it's you know the fact that we were up to nothing was is awesome on us and so uh one loss ain't gonna lose the series so be ready for the next one a tie when connor scored to make it 3-1 at that point could you almost taste it yeah you know it's it's playoff so you know you yeah. can never really get too ahead of yourself obviously yeah. with a with a 3-1 lead it's it's nice but uh it's the little things that count you know making sure we're getting that puck out and if we're not doing that you know saskatoon like i said good team they're gonna it's gonna make us cost so it's uh we gotta we gotta make sure that we're doing all those things right correctly we can't take a period off i know that a lot of times i've noticed over the years in working in junior hockey and being around junior hockey players it's always a really tough pill to swallow moments after the game like it feels a lot worse than it's going to feel 20 hours from now 20 hours from now you'll be back at the rink in your regular routine less and and uh yeah and you know it'll just be another game that you know uh so yeah there's a lot of long faces now but the good news is is you don't have to wait three more days to get your hands on them again right like you're less than 24 hours you're back at it i gotta think you like that right absolutely yeah no it's it's uh it's a long series and you know we, we expected that they're going to come out hard and it's yeah. going to be a battle of a series so it's uh one loss ain't going to do it you know keep our heads high here and uh, be ready for the next one another fabulous performance from drew sim 33 saves on 37 shots through 65 minutes of ice time and uh you know i counted two like big time saves in this game one in the second period on a wraparound and then a huge save in the third period around the halfway mark. I'm sure you're known, you know which ones I'm talking about, but uh, I know it's at a loss, but Drew Sim, who's been really good in this series, once again uh, proved to uh, to be the starting goaltender tonight. Yeah, absolutely. He's been playing phenomenal. Um, you know, it's so nice having a goalie that you can trust back there, and, uh, you know, the way he's playing, it's kind of affecting us up front. You know, we all got to get going, you know. Um, he's been playing well, though, makes some huge saves for us, and uh, it's been good for him. Uh, Kenny mentioned when he was on with us earlier, and I believe this is the first time where they'll be back-to-back games less than yeah. 20 hours apart in this series. Uh, he said puck possession might just be that much more important next game because uh, obviously you guys left it all out there tonight. Both teams did. Maybe there's a little bit of fatigue setting in as the series wears on. Uh, is puck possession something maybe that just becomes that much more important of a factor as the series wears on, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. It's It, it comes down to simple hockey. You know, puck possession, getting the pucks deep, making those simple plays. It's you don't really realize how important it is and you know it's uh it's something that i feel like the last couple games here we've been we've been good at 
but uh, obviously we're not done here yet, so it's, uh, you know, plain simple and doing those little things. I wanted to ask about just the work ethic that this team has right now, because there's no question, especially early in the game, your line, Barnett, Rowan when he was playing before he was out. Um, you know, I can go through the list. Sam Aremba, Braxton Whitehead, even Janelle. this. Riley Janelle as well. Good point, Kelly. Like yourself, which is why I wanted to talk to you because I think it was Kelly or Rob that was talking about it on, what was it, after the overtime? Or, or well, if it was an intelligent point, it was probably Rob. It had to be Drew. <laughs> <laughs> One of you guys said that you play like you're 200 pounds when you're not, you know? So I just want to say, who was that? Oh, you said 185? <laughs> you said playoff hockey is a 200 pound game. Anyways, regardless of that, Ty, uh, it is a compliment from us here, but uh, we've really liked the way you've played, and, and I just wanted to ask about just the will, work ethic, and just the, the want and determination that you need in playoff hockey, and we've seen that, let's be honest, guys, from this group so far. Yeah, no, it's 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 a whole new game. It, it, it really is, and playing strong and, you know, being physical. You know, the first game we came out, and, you know, we out-physicked them. We, uh, we hit lots, and, you know, we brought it to them. And I didn't think they were ready for that. And, you know, when, when we come out strong and we come out hitting and uh, catch them by surprise, that's kind of what we use to our strengths to win those games. Uh, there was just four guys on your team with playoff experience coming into this series. Uh, what have they done for, for some of the guys that haven't played in the playoffs before? I know talking with Luke Bateman after the regular season, uh, there wasn't it wasn't uh, overconfident, but just the, the confidence in his answer when he said, we can do it, we can beat this team. Uh, what are some of those guys that have played in the playoffs done for some of the guys that haven't? Uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, they've been really helping us out, especially in the room. You know, when we're when we're down a goal and it's the third period, you know, they're they're the ones that are telling us, you know, it's a long series. Keep your head high. It's playoffs. Anything can happen. Yeah. Um, really, really supportive group from those guys. You know, we are we are a young team. We are a little inexperienced in playoffs, and that's fine. But you know, as long as we're playing our game and sticking to the plan and having that support on the bench and players on the ice talking, then. Uh, We'll be fine. Ty, what kind of experience is, is, is this for you, given your close ties to Saskatoon, to play against the Blades in the playoffs? It must be an all-around cool experience for you and your family. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, during the regular season, I was obviously hurt, so I didn't get to play, which uh, which kind of sucked. But um, coming back and playing in front of that crowd, it's, it was a little nerve-wracking at first. But uh, it's definitely pretty cool seeing the family out there and everything. All right, welcome back inside. The Brand Center getting set for the Pats and the Blades. That was Ty Spencer talking. Uh, one of those gritty, fast forwards for the Pats. They'll need more out of everybody if they're going to knock off this veteran Blades team. Who do you got tonight, Zinger, in the big game? I don't know. I'm, I don't feel very good about it anymore, to be honest with you. Why? I, I, why? I, why, after, you, why you like that? Well, because the, the Pats, they were supposed to win that game yesterday, and I, I'm, I, it's just sitting with me really wrong. You know, the, they go up 3-1, to one, and then five seconds later, they call a penalty against the Pats. Okay, yes, okay, they say it's a penalty. Let's say it was a penalty. But, like, you know, it just... It's just really weird to me how it happens like five seconds after the Pats score. What do the Blades do? They make it 3-2. And I believe the, well, the ending of the game there, the Blades, they tied it because they had an empty net. And I think they were on the power play too at the time, yes, were they? they? Yeah, yes, so, they were. Yeah, so, yes. yeah, and the refs called a penalty there. So it's like, are, 
are the refs like wanting them to get back into the hockey game? I mean, how they don't call cross checking anymore. How many times did the Pats get cross checked across the head from behind yesterday? They didn't call those, but they call these penalties to let the blades back into the hockey game. That's why I'm not feeling very good about it tonight. I felt like everything went against the Pats. I mean, that goal was disallowed. This and that happened. I don't know. I don't feel very good about it, but ask me about 9.30 tonight. Maybe I'll feel a bit different. I hope I do. Five, five, five four Pats. Five, four Pats? All right. All right. In overtime. In overtime. That's I how know. I feel. I, just, I will tell you this. Do you, do you see where no I'm coming pro- from, though, when it comes to this I officiating? No, yeah, I had no problem with the officials except for that uh, no goal. I don't think if, if if what James Gallo tells me is right, and there was a goal still allowed from the Warriors' end when the puck when the net was knocked off the moorings, but they felt that that didn't affect the the goal and how it went in. I think the same thing would have applied there. That didn't affect how Bedard scored, right? Yeah. Well, like, like that puck's going in whether it's off a smidgen or not. Well, so I don't know. I, did the Pats even have a power play yesterday? I think they had one. Like no, they had they had a they had, did they, they have had a couple more than that? Well, just a couple. I think they had three. Yeah, I think they had. Three. Uh, I don't know, man. I smell something you're fishy going on. Hey, you're I am disgruntled. disgruntled. I just find that awfully weird. How after the Pats go up three one, they drop the puck, and all of a sudden the refs they're they're dialed in looking for that penalty. Ooh, okay, let's uh, let's let them back in it. You know, like come on, Zinger, Zinger, you've babbled for three minutes and you haven't told me who's winning the game tonight. Oh, I think I think the Pats are going to win it. You know. I'm disgruntled, but I, I, I well, think... Well, you said you weren't feeling good about it. I, would lead me I to think, believe you're yeah, going to pick the well, blade. I, I'm not feeling good about it, but, you know, that that doesn't mean much. I, I'm just a, I'm just a radio guy making a prediction. I don't feel good about it, but I still <laughs> think they could come away with a win, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Okay, a, part, yeah. a part of me wants a game six Saturday night, Ballsy, because I am going to go to the hockey game if there's a game six. I'm going to take... There will be a game six. I'm going to take my wife six. to the Brand Center, and she's going to see her very first ever Pats game in person. Can you believe that? Are you going to buy her a hot dog? I can't afford that. I'm going to get the tickets. I can't afford that. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Okay. Hey, when we come back, we're going to hear from longtime Regina Pats voice Phil Andrews in the Where Are They Now segment. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. This Day in Sports History, brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. April 5th, 1934. Babe Ruth agrees to do three 15-minute broadcasts a week on NBC, for which he will be paid $39,000, which is $4,000 more than the Yankees were paying him. They're the names we speak with reverence or scream out loud. The names that help define us, inspire us, and build the game that we all love. Each Wednesday on the Sports Cage, we flash to the past with a legend to see if there is indeed life beyond the scoreboard. This is Where Are They Now? All right, where are they now on Wednesdays? Brought to you by Floor Coverings International. Need new floors? Let Floor Coverings International bring their mobile showroom to you. Visit their website for free consultation. All right, I had a guy stop me. Actually, a couple of people stopped me at the rink yesterday, and they said, hey, where's how's Phil Andrews doing? Is he still in Saskatoon? And since we have playoff hockey at the Brand Center for the first time since 2018, uh, yesterday, uh, I thought it would be only appropriate to reach out to Phil the Thrill Andrews. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well, my friend, doing well. 
How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, tough loss last night for the Pats. I know you're following it from afar. You're still in Saskatoon. It's where are they now? Fill the uh, Pat fans in, Sports Cage listeners in on what you're doing. Yeah, so uh, for the last couple of years, I've been working for uh, an organization called Athletes in Action, and I'm uh, a chaplain at the University of Saskatchewan working with both the football and the hockey team. And um, well, as you know, Ballsy, we put a lot of effort into a lot of things in life. You know, you get good at your sport and you get good at school, and sometimes we let that spiritual side or, you know, just the life side maybe get little less uh, attention than maybe it needs so I, I get to kind of step in and, and be that guy and lead that way for, for those teams at the university. Spiritual means a bunch of different things. To me it means religion. Maybe to you too but to others it's not necessarily religion it's kind of the mental side. Am I right when I say that? Yeah, it's, we're not uh, we're not pushing anything on anybody. It's uh, I mean for me it, it is a religion thing but um, yeah we just we're just people there for these guys that maybe need an outlet to talk about what they're going through and it, it it doesn't have to be in any box of any kind yeah we're just we're just there for them on that side of things i know you loved calling pat's hockey for 10 years but do you find this thing more fulfilling than calling junior hockey or just different i, I think they're similar in that the thing i loved about working for the Pats was the people side of things and the players and the staff and, and that type of thing. And so I get to kind of still do that, be part of a team and in that capacity. I will say that there are times that I miss being on the radio calling games, especially at this time of year when it's so much fun and everything's so exciting. But, yeah, it's, uh, I feel very happy in the role that I'm in right now. Hey, let's talk about that Huskies football team. Two years in a row, maybe it's no coincidence, two years in a row that hey. foot, that football team goes to the Vanier <laughs> Cup but comes up short, so you were either a blessing or a curse. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to say, but but uh, I know I didn't throw any of the footballs, I didn't catch any, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I could take credit or, or any either way. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, what, what's that new hockey rink up there like at the U.S.? Man, it's incredible. Um, I think, you know, looking around the rest of Canada West, I don't think there's a facility that even comes close. I mean, what the guys have in that dressing room and their team room and just the fan experience in there as well, it's it's an incredible facility for, for that Canada West hockey. The guys, uh, all of them to a man, would say they're very lucky to be able to play here. This may or may not be an easy question for you to answer, Phil Andrews, but in your 10 years calling Pat's hockey game, if you could go back and be behind the microphone in that moment, what game or moment would that be? Uh, I think it would be the Memorial Cup semifinal uh, when the Pats beat the Hamilton Bulldogs and that moment when Sam Steele scored to make it a two-goal game and then the empty netter for Jake Lecician. That, that, was, uh, that was a fun night to the Brad Center. Yeah, for sure. It was rocking like it was last night, maybe a little more so. But, boy, were they in full throat last night to watch Bedard. What are you making of this Bedard kid? Man, it, I took the boys, my two older boys, the game one on Friday night, and the, he scored his second goal where he dragged through three blades in the third period there right in front of us. And it was just like, this kid is so special. I was so lucky to call his games when he was 15 coming in the league there in, in the, the bubble. But – just how much better he's gotten over this last two years. I mean, he's he's worth a hundred bucks to go watch him play. I, it's so 
incredible to see someone that good at that age. Man, he's fun to watch. Yeah, he is. And boy, he's put a lot of money in the coffers for Western Hockey League teams since uh, since the World Juniors. It's funny, hey? You need he he wasn't drawing fleas here before the World Juniors, and it's almost like he needed national or international validation for people to say, "Oh, he's pretty good." Yeah, hey, man, this kid's actually pretty awesome. I, I was talking to John Paddock. I went to practice uh, in the day between their two games this weekend here at Saskatoon, and he said they had played in a sold-out road rink in every game since November. Like, that is insane. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Absolutely crazy. Who was the best Pat you ever got a chance to watch, besides Bedard? Uh, like, Bedard early, but besides that. I think Jordan Wheel would be one. Adam Brooks and Sam Steele are right there. Connor Hobbs. I, I mean, nobody at the level of Connor Bernard. I, I mean, this is like unheard of, right? But yeah, we we had a chance to watch some really good guys and Brooks and Steele and Connor Hobbs and, and probably Jordan Wheel in my early days. So yeah, there's some real good ones. Well, uh, Bedard's, uh, fortunately for him, unfortunately for Pat fans, his time is winding down very fast. I feel kind of sad he got ripped off early by the pandemic. Yeah, it's too bad. Uh, it could have been three full years and, you know, three chances of going to the playoffs and all that type of thing. But, yeah, it's too bad right? because whatever, however many games are left in this playoff for the Pats, it'll be the last we get to see of them here in Regina. And he'll be off dazzling in the NHL next year. I have no doubt about that. Are you uh, in the camp that he's the best Pat of all time? I, I think... You know, if you projected it over like a guy like Dale Durkatch who played five years, I mean, obviously he would be the all-time leading scorer in Pat's history, so I don't know how you couldn't say that he is. I mean, he might be the best Western Hockey League Western Hockey Leaguer ever, right? Like, just what he's doing numbers-wise at his age, it's never happened before. I mean, it's, it's incredible. So, yeah, I, I think it's hard to argue against that being truth that he's – yeah, you know, maybe the best path, maybe best player to ever play in the dub. We mentioned the word spirituality, Phil Andrews. You are of the religious ilk, uh, so you got to thank God, man. You were blessed for for a Pat's play by play guy in ten years. You had a lot of blessings come your way, man, in terms of getting a call Memorial Cup, hosting the Memorial Cup, seeing a phenom like Bedard come into the league. Yeah, I feel pretty lucky. Um, we had some really fun years. I remember talking to you at that. 16-17 season where they set a franchise record with 54 wins and you know just how incredible that year was all year long to go to the league final and man it you're right I mean you you have literally no control as a guy behind the mic but you just hope that you get to call games for a good team and I got to do that for geez what eight of my 10 years that were you know teams that were in the playoffs and playing some meaningful hockey and and getting to meet some great people too that, that's the biggest part uh, I mean I you know, still in contact with the coaches there in Regina and the trainer and, uh, you know, Gord Cochran as equipment guy. Uh, just very blessed to, to have been able to be that guy for as long as I was. Okay, man. Uh, so I think the Blades have the better overall team. No disrespect to the Pats. But the Pats have the best player by a country mile and a couple of other good ones, too. And Sim is holding the fort. I don't think it was his fault last night. How do you see the rest of this one shaking down, Phil Andrews? Yeah, I couldn't agree more on your assessment of both teams. I think the Blades are a deeper, maybe better team. But the Pats have, you know, three guys that are probably better than every player in Saskatoon. And that's Suzelev in Bedard and then Swolzel on the back end. I like those three guys. Um, and Bedard's been the difference. I mean, it, you can be a really good team, but if they got the best player that's putting up five points a night, it's tough. If Bedard keeps doing what he's done, 
Regina's going to win the series, but I think it's going to hinge tonight in game four. Whoever wins tonight's winning the series. The biggest play of the game might have been the non-play when the goalie kicked the net off the moorings and denied yeah. that goal. Because if that one stands up, the Pats, I think, blow them out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that, that was a big moment and a big win for Saskatoon last night because, I mean, being down for as long as they were in the game, to be able to come back, score late, get in overtime, if they hadn't done that, I, I think tonight would be like an 8-1 loss for them. But they, they got some life after last night for sure. Well, I tell you what, man, I'm glad you're still in the sporting world in a different way, passing on some uh, motivation, spirituality to the up-and-coming athletes. Thanks for your time, Phil Andrews. It's always great to catch up. Thanks, Baldy. Appreciate you, bud. Today's sports cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.